Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me as we have a full three-hour show that has seemed like it's not happened a whole lot in the last couple weeks, but we have a full three-hour show for you both today and tomorrow before we have another shortened show on Thursday. So we have a lot to talk about on this Tuesday as Auburn hired a defensive coordinator last night. It is DJ Durkin coming over after two years at Texas A&M. So we will talk about the hiring of DJ Durkin in just a little bit. And that also completed the Auburn coaching staff. So we'll remind you about the whole process this offseason and give you a look in our rundown and our thoughts on the entirety of the Auburn coaching staff now that the dust has settled in this kind of coaching carousel for the Tigers. We'll also continue to talk a little bit about the Auburn basketball team, continue to review what happened in Starkville on Saturday and start to look ahead a little bit to What's ahead for the Tigers? Obviously, Vanderbilt tomorrow, uh, but we'll look at that. We'll also look at where the SEC standings sit as we are about a third of the way through conference play. We also want to talk a little bit about the conference championship games. We certainly spent some time on the Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers yesterday, particularly the Lions side of things. We'll talk a little bit about the 49ers today. We'll also talk about that AFC championship game that went down between the Baltimore Ravens, and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you'd like to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, Ryan, Brooks, and Tom with you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Tom Peavy, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing fine, and it is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon out there. Uh, Very warm and, uh, well, very comfortable, but... uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, obviously, Auburn with a new defensive coordinator hire. Uh, we will talk a lot about that. Tennessee, uh, the yes. bar- the barrels of the NCAA gun have uh, turned directly at Knoxville right now, and we will see if uh, again again. Well, and and that's the speculation that the guns might actually go off this time instead of uh, just a threat uh, because they were. In trouble just a couple of years ago under Jeremy Pruitt, and the NCAA basically didn't do anything to them uh, other than a fine, and now they're right back in trouble again. So, you know, Tennessee's got to start wondering about the repeat offender type deal. Um, so, yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff to talk about. But uh, I know, obviously, around here, uh, people are going to be wanting to talk about DJ Durkin. Yeah, absolutely. And then Brooks Childress, uh, how are you on this Tuesday? I am doing. Fine. Uh, I don't know if folks can tell by my voice. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. Uh, so uh, if I get uh, 
choked up. It is not because I'm emotional about what we're talking about. It's uh, quite literally choking uh, for a little bit. So it, it, I'll be fine, though. Uh, but other than that, <clears throat> doing good. I uh, had a good weekend, went out of town, uh, was not here fr- for Friday's show, so I was uh, was out of town uh, up in Huntsville this weekend, seeing a few friends that are about to uh, move away for a while, uh, so it is uh, was good to see them. Got my first ever hockey game in, a uh, live hockey game, I've uh, obviously watched quite a few on TV, uh, but first live hockey game up in Huntsville with the Huntsville Havoc. Uh, really, really fun. Uh, there was such a, such a fun environment. Um, we'll definitely be going back. Uh, my wife, Grace was, uh, she's, you know, not a big sports. Uh, she'll, she'll do gymnastics and, and sometimes she'll, she'll sit down for football for, uh, for a little bit, but not a lot, but she was into it. She, every time they, the players would get into a little a bit of a scuffle, she started to yell and cheer. I was like, Oh, who are you? Uh, and so that was super, super fun. Uh, and so really enjoyed the weekend in Huntsville. Uh, and then, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, happenings around the sports world, college football, and this never stops. It, it never stops giving us stuff to talk about. So can't wait to dive into all that. Can't wait to get all, get to all of our callers and, uh, settle in for another week of sports call for me. Yeah. You know that you're in hot water when your boy is pulled up NCAA.org to remind himself of all the penalties levied to Tennessee just one short year ago. So we will definitely go through that Tennessee side of things uh, a little bit later today as the Vols are under investigation for, quote, a serious NIL uh, potential investigation there. So we will get to that a little bit later. But let's start with Auburn, of course, as we try to do each and every day. And now officially the offseason is – kind of upon us now we will be getting the spring practice spring ball in a month or two but uh for all intents and purposes we were waiting for two things to happen around this time last week where we were waiting for ryan williams to decide his future he of course did not wait till the first week of february he went ahead and decided the very next day so he became off the table and then we were waiting on the defensive coordinator search well the latter has now come to a conclusion And it is DJ Durkin, who is a name that obviously is uh, pretty volatile in the college football landscape. However, it is a name that we uh, were very comfortable in saying was in the mix from the get-go. Again, he was one of the names mentioned pretty early on. And if you've been following along the last two or three weeks, uh, it was really between him and Chris Kiffin in the eyes of really all the beat guys. And we told you yesterday in our shorter show that there was a little splash of if those two, for whatever reason, are both off the table, then it might just go on to Charles Kelly just being elevated to full-fledged defense coordinator. That was kind of the third option that was starting to present itself a little bit yesterday. But ultimately, Auburn does hire DJ Durkin. I'll let you guys have the floor. Where do you want to start with this? Obviously, a lot of people with a lot of thoughts. All right, so, so the first thing is – all right, DJ Durkin, just in case people have not read up on him or whatever, he was when he was the head coach at Maryland back in – well, it was two stops ago because since then he's been a coordinator at A&M and Ole Miss. Ole Miss and was right. a consultant for the Atlanta Falcons right. afterwards too. So this Maryland thing was, you know, quite a few years ago. Um, there was – he he had a, a player that uh, died – 
after suffering a heat stroke during a practice, uh, apparently was made to run 110 yards or something in the heat. 10, 110-yard sprints, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, a lot of the players came out and spoke about DJ Durkin of a quote-unquote toxic environment, and then there's a lot of accusations of the way that he treated his players, um, mentally, physically abusive, uh, just a lot of bad, bad stuff that came out of Maryland. And that was, again, on top of the fact that a player died. So, um, the hiring of DJ Durkin, for many at Auburn, they look at that. They go straight to that. And it's similar to the Hugh Freeze hire in the sense that it's another hire. Uh, again, I'm not saying this is me. This is how a lot of people are looking at it. People are looking at this as Auburn is making another hire with major baggage. And why? And that's the big question. Now, for me, I look at it this way. He is one of the top defensive minds in college football. That There is absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. Secondly, I get what happened at Maryland, and that was bad. It sounded bad. But the man has already made two other stops since then. You can't tell me that Hugh Freeze has not spoken to those other programs, probably other players that played under him at these programs, to vet him to find out where you have been since the Maryland stuff, has it been a toxic environment? Was he was he physically abusive to you? Was he mentally abusive to you? What was the feeling around DJ Durkin in these programs that he has been at since then? If there, I feel like if there was the slightest bit of, oh, yeah, it sucked. You know, I, I, I'm so glad I was away from DJ Durkin. I, I couldn't tell you. They would have never hired him. He would have never been a candidate. But I, I think with his defensive mind and the places that he's been, there had to have been a vetting process that they felt that they were okay with this, that whatever happened at Maryland maybe it was an anomaly, maybe it was something blown out of proportion. I mean, obviously, you can't blow out of proportion a guy dying on the field. That happened. Um, but I just I feel like that he had to have been vetted through these other two stops, and I would get the feeling that in, from those last two stops that there was never any – talk of a quote-unquote toxic environment and so they went ahead and made the move but of course a lot of Auburn fans are very unhappy about that right now because they immediately just they go back to the Maryland thing and that's what sticks in their head and that was the finality of it and and not to, I should I'm saying Auburn fans beat writers there are beat writers I've seen plenty of beat writers that are just like what the absolute you know are you doing Auburn um because they're just looking at the Maryland thing. Uh, I haven't heard a bad thing about DJ Durkin at these other spots. Have y'all? Nothing that I nothing that jumps out to me that I can remember. I've never heard anything bad about him. I've heard he's had some pretty darn good defenses. Right. Uh, I mean, his defenses at Texas A&M were, I mean, they were good. They, they put up some stout numbers as a defense. Uh you know what? What's more important when you're looking at the at the coach? You know what is the most important thing? Obviously, you don't want to bring some dirt bag in here. I get that. You know, is, is DJ Durkin a dirt bag? I don't know that. Uh, it doesn't seem like from the last two stops there's been any signs of that. So you know, do you sentence a guy to coaching death because of what happened at Maryland, or 
do you look at his at what has happened since then? You know, maybe potentially his whole thing at Maryland kind of got it in his head. It's like, you know, maybe I need to back off of the way I'm doing some things. I mean, I had a guy die. All these people are coming out and talking about how terrible of a person I am. You know, maybe he's backed off of some of that in his last two stops. I don't know. All I'm saying is you can't tell me that Hugh Freeze and and the entire athletic department did not do their due diligence and go to some of these places and talk to staffers, talk to other players, former players, and find out if the Maryland stuff equated to what was going on in the most recent years. So that's my take on it. I'm I, I'm good with the hire. Uh, I do hate the fact that, uh, you know, we're right back here again with Auburn with another guy that has kind of split the fan base and split some of the reporting because you have some that are perfectly happy that are saying things like I am that's like, hey, he's a defensive mind. You know, whatever happened in the past happened in the past. And then you have other people that are just so stuck on what happened at Maryland, they, they'll never, ever allow him to live it down. And so here we are again with a hire that has split everybody instead of bringing everybody together kind of cohesively to go, yay, this is the guy that's going to lead us to the promised land. So I don't know. But, I mean, he was always one of the top targets. He, he was one of the very few targets that it seemed like. I mean, between I mean DJ Dirk and Chris Kiffin, um, uh, the Mississippi State. Zach Arnett. Uh, Arnett. Those are really the three that you ever even really heard anything about. Arnett just kind of disappeared out of the yeah. ether. That just poof. I don't think Auburn had real interest. In yeah. yeah. The Arnett thing just went away, you know, big time. Uh, Chris Giffen, obviously, it looked like they were waiting for him to get done with the pro stuff, but I've seen some reports that he may be looking at a defensive coordinator job with the uh, Miami Dolphins. So, like we had discussed before, I don't know that Chris Giffen was all that interested in coming right. back into the college game. And so that leaves you with DJ Durkin who is in the college game. He has been in the college game. He is a known recruiter. He is a known defensive mind. You know, outside of, you know, the tumultuous times at Maryland, it sounds like it's on the up and up. But like I said, you go through a tough time at a school and there's a lot of people that will not let you live it down. So we'll see. You know, I I, I don't think – I think there's a, a you know, a, a middle ground you can get to where you are not – thrilled because of the past but you can also look at how other you know other schools and other places have given you have given uh, people chances to uh still coach and you could come back and you know you, you can look at what they've done on the football field um i i just i i want you know i want to do some more reading on it look it up but you know if you remember back to the whole maryland thing the board of regents and university of maryland did an investigation reinstated him and then it was because right. of the backlash after he got reinstated that they fired him. And so I would like to go back and look into more of why they chose to reinstate him. Um, it, it appears that the, the ultimate firing after they reinstated him was because of the backlash to it. But I, I'd like to see what their what they the investigation had found uh, about, you know, why they why they chose to reinstate him, because I'm, I'm sure that they you know, if if it was serious enough. You wouldn't reinstate him. You wouldn't, you know, say, "Oh, we're we're actually good with you being the football coach again." Uh, if you know legality or something there, there was not a. There, if you were look, you know, investigation uh, into it, on the football side of things, you 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 know, both of you guys 
talked about it. Uh, I've talked about it on the show, and Tom, you, you just wrapped up saying it. He's he's a good defensive coach. He's got uh, a lot of a lot of history in the Southeastern Conference. Stops at A and M, Ole Miss, Florida. Um, he, he's had some um, time in the Southeastern Conference. Ryan, you mentioned him being at the Falcons, uh, which you know a little bit of an NFL connection, especially a Southern NFL connection. So he knows the he knows the recruiting grounds. He knows that. And then you look at you know I, I'm just I'm not going to go back and look at all these different years of it, but this past year. You know, Auburn, we, we talk about how, you know, Ron Roberts and this, this Auburn team did a good job defensively. They finished up 45th in total defense in the FBS level. Uh, well, Texas A&M, where DJ Durkin was, finished 19th, uh, the uh, top 20 defense in the country. And you know who they finished right behind? You know who knows number 18? Alabama. They yeah. finished one spot behind Alabama in total defense this year. And that was an Alabama defense that we thought for a while was carrying that the Alabama team because, you know, for the first part of the year, the offense was not doing anything for Alabama. Um, and so this was a top 20 defense for Texas A&M. I know, you, you know, you look at Texas A&M, how they ended up this year, especially in the firing of, uh, of Jimbo Fisher. You say, oh, well, you know, the, they didn't do so good. Well, is the offense that didn't do good. You, you look at that defense. Defensive kept, defense kept them in football games. And so from a football side of things, I think this is a this could be a really good combination with Durkin and Charles Kelly teaming up on the defensive side of things uh, to to kind of build and you know recruit and build a, a big SEC caliber defense and especially one that is going to be very very important with a reshaped SEC landscape with no longer Nick Saban uh, being a part of the SEC. I know you know we we talked about it a few weeks ago when when Saban retired and they hired Kalen DeBoer is that DeBoer is probably going to have some initial success, but you you know you're planning and, and if you're Hugh Freeze and you're the staff you're looking at it, you're you're start to think hey the biggest roadblock in the SEC is Kirby Smart in Georgia and if you get to that SEC all you have to do is get to that SEC championship game and starting this year when you're a you know it, it's a uh, it no longer have divisions and you just have to be a top two team in the SEC to get to that championship game you're in the playoff and even even not that <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, even not that, like w- with a 12-team playoff, you can be a top four, five SEC team, and you're gonna have a real shot at being in the in the playoff. And that's what you've got to do is you've got to build a defense that can help you get to that top four or five. And I think DJ Durkin on the field, teaming up with Charles Kelly, can do that. Yeah. I, one other thing I was going to mention about uh, DJ Durkin, uh, Nick Saban had previously brought him into Alabama in a. Uh, uh, what was it? A consultant. Consultant. Just because just just someone overseeing. For, a consultant. You know. um, but still, again, Nick Saban was willing to bring him around his players and his staff and everything as a consultant. So that makes you, you know, how truly toxic is DJ Durkin? I mean, Nick Saban brought him around. I saw somebody uh, that had speculated, and I guess there's some – thought out there that if Nick Saban had stuck around that DJ Durkin might be a candidate for Alabama's defensive coordinator spot so you know I I, I think there's people out there that are will, willing to hire this man because of his defensive prowess and uh, and look past what happened in Maryland those many years ago again I, I have to stress this he has been at other places since Maryland and I have not heard any signs of the toxic environment and the abuse and things like that. I haven't heard that from Ole Miss. I haven't heard that from Texas A&M. So, you know, everybody just, they want to, they want to jump to the Maryland thing. And of course it doesn't help that, 
Uh, that you know, it's Auburn Harris, former Maryland head coach, as defensive coordinator. It's like Jesus, he's been at two other places since then. Why is he not Auburn Harris, Texas A&M defensive coordinator? You know, but no, it's Auburn Harris, former Maryland head coach who was embroiled in controversy. Blah blah blah, and of course, all the fans and we we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you've hired this deviant monster. How dare you? Eh. I'm just I. Again, I hate the fact that Auburn made another hire, again, similar to you, Freeze, where it kind of split so many people to, you know, like, you know, why are we bringing, why are we doing this again? But, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I, I have a strong feeling that they vetted the man pretty darn well before they agreed to bring him in here. Let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401, locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up this afternoon, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Doing great. You know, just when I thought y'all was on the upswing and moving on up in the world, y'all done hit an all-time low. Ain't no way in the world I would have brought this man in my program in any capacity. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I understand that. People make mistakes and things happen, and people deserve second second chances. But let him get his second chance of selling insurance or, or working somewhere else uh, other than fooling around in any kind of football or any or in somebody's athletic department. Uh, you know, when you have a kid that was pushed far beyond what he should have been pushed beyond because somebody want to win so bad, you know, you say things to players, tell them they're going to be a sissy or, or they ain't got no courage or no guts, and then you result in somebody – keep on going when it should have come out the drills and then die, it ain't worth that. Ain't nothing worth that. I mean, you know, you talking about vetting somebody. Ain't enough vetting in the world when a person then died, even though that might have been five or six years ago. I guarantee you if you ask your parents, it'd be just like it was yesterday when they got that phone call and the news was broken to them. They had to go, I don't know if they was out of town or in town or what, but having to make that trip there to claim that body or whatnot and go through the whole process of that sort of thing. I tell you, it ain't worth it. And it's just all-time low. You had Charles Kelly brought in. I mean, you could have gave him, Auburn could have given him the job by himself and let him do it. If they didn't believe in that, you got Charlie Strong, got national championship ring with his fingers, a defensive coordinator at Florida, uh, as an analyst at Alabama, been all around the Southeastern Conference, but yet he ain't been looked at. You'd rather have a murderer, uh, if you will. Oh, he's murder. not a murderer. Oh, come on now. Ain't no murderer. Oh. He Jesus. He contributed to that guy's death. They, they didn't murder the hey, man, hey, though. That's hey, a whole hey, different hey, thing. Yeah, that's absolutely hey, incorrect, hey, Andy. Hey, that's hey, absolutely well, incorrect. Well, let's say manslaughter then. No. No. Or, or, no. Or homicide. Uh, let's no. Say, uh, well, he, hey, he played a role in it. It was Period. the – okay. If you, I've I've read a lot of the reporting on this. I've read a lot of the reporting in preparation for this very moment when you didn't understand yeah. what went on, and it was the athletic trainer – that was the one shouting at Jordan McNair to continue on, keep going. And it was the athletic trainer that was the one that made him keep doing the drills because the athletic trainer ran the summer workouts. And then it was the training staff that did not properly in- identify the seriousness of McNair's condition. And they did not do the right procedures after pulling him off the field. And it was those, those problems that then resulted in him dying in the hospital two weeks later. Okay? Wait, not DJ Durkin. Durkin. And so we're going to be very clear on that. Let me ask you this. I'm going to be very clear on this. Who's the head man of the pro- of every football program, any kind of program? So you're going to say that every single person hey, hold, hold is responsible, is, is every single thing they do is always been responsible for one listen, person. Listen, 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 listen. Every single thing. If you got a head man, 
in charge of any program, any institution, any business, or whatever you got going on. Anything that happens under his watch, he's responsible for because he's the head man. He's in charge of the people that you got work that he has working under him, whatever they're doing on a day to day basis or whatever it is. Okay, well, hey, then, 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 hey, then, then exactly. you can, then you can, then you can blame, then you can blame the guy for having a bad training staff or something. Maybe I, right. I guess, but don't sit there and throw the word murderer right. on him. I mean, he did not right. willfully go out and kill this kid or anything like that. I mean, I, I expected y'all to stand up and for it. That's what y'all do every time y'all get a hire like that. You're gonna stand up for him and back him, and just as soon as things don't work out, you're gonna throw him on the bus because you've always done that. Well, no, every it's. Well, and, and I'm not. This listen. is the same man that no. Nick Saban was hey. interested in for the defensive coordinator job that was retired by yeah. Kevin Steele. Just yeah. where he might have been interested in him, and he may have had him there as an analyst or whatnot for a short period of time, or consultant. Or so Nick Saban him. likes him. Well, but yeah, I still wouldn't about if he, if Nick Saban would have hired him, I wouldn't have been for that. There ain't no need for that. I, I call I call pure BS. You'd have been you perfectly call, happy you with can, it. You you can call anything you want to call it, but listen. <laughs> There's no need for nothing like that. Nobody needs to win that bad. You got to have that kind of bad baggage in a program. It ain't needed. You can't tell me there. Uh, y'all talking about Dave Arnett and uh, Ned or Arnett or whatever his name is, Dave Arnett and, and all these other people. You can't tell me that he couldn't have found somebody else or just went with Charles Kelly all together than to bring this in. I mean, you can't. The board of trustees can't do no better than this. The president of the university, the people that got the big money pockets. I mean. They can't sit down and see. We we don't need this. This this ain't worth it. I mean, come on. I mean, good God. I mean, winning is, is all that. And then y'all talk about cutting the NIL money down, or come up with restrictions and all this kind of crazy stuff. And then you want to bring in a person like this with this kind of baggage. It, it, gentlemen, it's just not needed. I'm telling you, you don't need this. I mean, there's other avenues that the university could have went down as far as hiring a coordinator than to bring in a guy. They said it was a toxic environment. Players walked out, this or that, and they end up firing him the very next day. It just ain't needed. I mean, there's a lot of qualified other people that would have been loved to come to Auburn and, and uh, work with uh, Charles Kelly and the staff or whatnot. I just, like I said, it's an all-time low, and it just uh, could have went in another direction. Well, I, you know, it just seems like people like this continue to resurface no matter what they do, no matter how horrible it is, uh, how embarrassing it is, how hurtful or painful it is. People like this just seem like they just do whatever they want to do and just keep on resurfacing, resurfacing, resurfacing. Well, now, so, well, so now, and the only thing is, I where that is, I will disagree with that because uh, the coaches that have been accused and found uh, guilty or whatever of like major, 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 major stuff, uh, like directly involved in major stuff, are not coaching anymore. Like, is Art Browse coaching right now? Art, Bry- Art Bryles is not coaching anywhere right now. I don't think anybody will touch Art Bryles because of – I mean, that's direct implications well, he, and stuff. I'm it, just, should the, it should be the same thing in this case. This no, it, it, it it pales, it, this pales in comparison. Listen, a, a, kid, a kid died on the practice field, and that is terrible. That actually happens all over the country – during workouts, there high school there there are numerous stories of high school kids that died during having heat strokes. Listen, hold on, no, no, hold on. Well, hold on. Let me let me just say, this hat it happens. It, it's unfortunate, but I mean, they, when you're out in the summer heat and you're doing these workouts and stuff, I mean, it happens. It, it's it's not excusable. I get it, but it happened. Now, the toxic environment thing, that bothers me more than that. If you had multiple players coming out and saying that he was physically abusive and mentally abusive, there was something I saw about him 
like throwing uh, weights around in the locker room or something. There's some things like that that it's like, hey, you need to back off that. Now, some of the verbal stuff, I want to touch on this. You've told me before that you played football, right? You played you played college football. I did. Right, all right. And and, and you were not a kicker, correct? No, we're no kicker. Okay. Right. Damn right. So you can't tell me that you did not have a coach get up in your face if if you were having a bad day, if you and and maybe even challenge your manhood, maybe even called you a P word and said, you know, you, you gotta quit being a P out here. I, I guarantee you that happens in on football fields all the time. And so, so uh, so now you got some of these weak players that couldn't stand a little bit of physical or verbal jawing at them from a coach, and now you're going to sit here and go, "Oh well, they're verbally abusive guy. I don't need him around there." That crap happens every on every single football field out there. You can't tell me that Nick Saban has not challenged uh, a player's manhood in all of his years coaching. That Nick Saban hadn't grabbed a dude up by his jersey and challenged his manhood when he is playing a man sport and is getting his tail whipped all over the place. That happens. You know, you know uh, coaches will challenge you at times, but it's all how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you got to go to the point where you are uh, verbally abusing somebody. That's not even needed. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're going to uh, be at a player out there and it's 100 degrees, it's hot, and you can clearly see that this player's had enough and need to cool off, but yet you want to keep pushing this player, and then he goes into a heat stroke, coma, a heart attack, a stroke, or whatever happens after that. All that kind of stuff is not needed. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to challenge people, but you just can't go to the point where somebody got to fall out and pass out on a football field or die out there uh, just to show that uh, somebody's got some manhood because it's just a game, gentlemen. That's all well, it is. You okay. got, I mean, hold on, hold on. You ain't no put that jock strap on on a level like that. It's just a game is all it is. I saw a teammate of mine, we was in spring practice, and he tore his ankle up and had to have surgery and had a thousand staples in it. But before he left the practice field, the coach was telling him to get back in there and go again. The man clearly couldn't go again. He was sitting there laid out. And then the coach just, uh, you know, with a bad attitude and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, finger gestures and hand gestures just kind of pushed the guy to the side. And that told me all I need to know at that point. You know, it just ain't worth doing nobody like that. You know, the head trainer even uh, spoke out and said that this kind of nonsense ain't even worth it. I mean, he had – well, the head trainer at that time was also assistant athletic director. And there was a time when he had to make birds and say, we're not running in the gaps. The day is too hot. He had a little – Fancy thermometer out there and check the humidity and all that kind of stuff. He said, we ain't running no gases. We going in today. And Burgess didn't like it, but he didn't have no choice because that was assistant that leg direct. So, and, you know, so you had to listen to it. But there are times when you just uh, don't do that. Players ain't studying that. Don't get me wrong. Now, players will give you all they got, and they want to be motivated. But nobody wants to be abused. you got to be able to distinguish between the two of them. And sometimes people like you that ain't never put on that varsity jock strap on that level, don't know the difference between that. I mean, you don't know what it's like uh, not maybe having certain energy levels every day for something like that, but yet you got to give it all you got because the guy next to you giving all he got, he's depending on you. Coach is hollering and screaming, and you out there uh, in September. I'm going to tell you something. September, around 3 or 4 o'clock at practice, at that time, seemed like being in the oven up there practicing, you know, and you got to do all this every day. And days, some days you just don't have the same energy level, but you got to be mentally tough and go through all that stuff. You got to study and everything that goes along with that, and come back the next day and do it again, week in week out. And uh, you got coaches telling you, well, uh, 
we'll decide whether you can't practice a day or you got some kind of illness or this or that. We'll make that decision for you or whatnot. That old kind of crazy talk that people used to do. Now, I know things are somewhat better today for the sports nutrition and, and, and those medical staffs that they have. Uh, you know, they got all these fancy things with jigs you can put on a helmet and tell you when a player needs to have a water break or, or, or cool off or whatnot. But nobody had all that stupid stuff going on. Well, I ain't going to call it stupid. But nobody had that advancement in scientific medicine or whatnot back in the days when I played. But it ain't worth nothing. Uh, you got to go to the point where you got to overly abuse somebody uh, verbally or whatnot, you know, trying to get a point across or trying to get somebody to play better. It ain't worth it, guys. It just ain't. No, You don't have to abuse anybody for somebody to give you their very best. Now, I'm just going to tell you, you don't have to do that. I mean, it's ways of motivating people. Then uh, all out, uh, you got to uh, embarrass somebody in front of everybody else. It ain't necessary. The players don't appreciate it. No, they don't. No, nobody appreciate it. These coaches just get all, I mean, just the pressure to win. Everybody want all this money and sell out stadiums and, and all this recognition and all that. It ain't worth no player getting killed or losing his life over something like that because it's just a game. It's all it is and it's all it ever be. If some people will realize that. You get my age now having trouble walking up a flight of stairs because you ran too many stadiums. You did too much heavy weight lifting back in those days and all that. It ain't really worth all that. I'm trying to tell you, you know, y'all, you don't know what it's like to go run stadiums after you've uh, bench pressed four or five hundred pounds because coach told you that's what he needs you to do, or whatnot. And you and they put you in groups of people that are similar to your strength. So you know, you put three. You ever put three hundred fifteen pounds on a bench press and you had to do four or five? Excuse me, three or four sets of fifteen or ten with a weight like that. No, you ain't never did nothing like that and do all that deadlifts and all that stupid stuff, and then you got to go out there and run these stadiums. And when you get through, you're sitting there in the locker room, you're trembling, your knees shaking, your whole body trembling, and you got to sit there 20 minutes until you stop trembling before you can even get in the shower. You know what I'm saying? You, you ain't experienced anything like that. And you're doing this on a daily basis, uh, doing the off season, doing all that kind of thing like that. And then you're out there running the gases. I mean, when I play, you have to have this conditioning test We'll say 400 meters because that's what y'all understand, but they call them 400 yards uh, uh, at that time. He's running 440s, 400 yard run, but it's 400 meters now because even we were meters. You got to run something like that. You're a big old lineman and you're running, uh, give you a time to make it. Well, you ain't ran nothing like that no other time until that. Well, that's just once a year. That's once a year you run something like that. You know good and well a lineman ain't going to be prepared to run nothing like that and you only run it once a year. And that's some track guy. I mean, you know, your defensive backs, they done excellent with that. Your running backs, your wide receivers, that's something for a person like that. But coach is too stupid to realize that a person that's a lineman don't have the same uh, muscle fibers, uh, fast twitch, don't have as many fast twitch muscle fibers that a person like that would have. That run is suited for that person. Now, if you want me to go deadlift something for you or go get a four or 500-pound bench press, well, me having more slow muscle twitch fibers and being the way I'm built, that's perfect for me, but not for them. But coaches back then were too stupid to realize that. You had a lineman doing something, he had no business running. A, that ain't necessary. What's that was going to prove? A 400-meter run. I mean, come on. Then you, your heart rate is up high over what it should be. When you get to running those things, you're breathing heavy, 
some people look like they're on the verge of having a heart attack or whatnot. Is that really worth? Uh, I mean, really, is that really worth it? You tell me. Well, you well, you would need to ask the training staff who was out there with him at the time. DJ Durkin was not I even mean, out from staff, from anywhere, not just there, anywhere well, in football. Is that, well, is no, that no, really worth I, it? No, I I get it, but what we're talking about is DJ Durkin and the accusations that came out against him at Maryland. And the simple fact was, like Ryan told you, when when that situation happened with the player on the field, that was the training staff that was out there. They do training on the fields all the time without the coaching staff anywhere near that. I'm aware of that. You're not telling me anything that yeah. I don't know. And so you that's what happened. So that was what happened in that situation. Don't know, but I know that. Well, right. But I'm just saying. But that's what happened in that situation that everybody now wants to hammer DJ Durkin on. Now well, there now li- but now listen oh, there were some other things that came out that other players said and, and you can take that with what it is. Now it was not every player that I heard I mean but I mean a few of the ones came forward and said there was some stuff going on. But again, here's my thing. He was hired at Ole Miss. This is after the fact. He was hired by the Atlanta Falcons. He was hired by Ole Miss. He was hired by Texas A&M. Now he's been hired at Auburn and it sounded like Nick Saban was possibly going to hire him at Alabama. So apparently... Uh, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said possibly. I want to well, stop there. Uh, he retired. Okay, okay. Well, right, that, yeah. <laughs> well, didn't he have him there before then? Maybe last he, brought, year, he, brought, he brought him in as a consultant. Uh, he brought him in as a consultant. Uh, but the word on the street is if Nick Saban had stuck around, uh, he was going to hire DJ Durkin as his defensive coordinator. So obviously... Somebody powers to be probably would have stopped. Uh, there were no powers that be at Alabama that were going to tell yeah. Nick Saban what to do and what not to do. But I'm just saying, the Falcons, the Falcons hired him, Ole Miss hired him, Texas A&M hired him, Auburn has hired him. It sounded like Nick Saban might have been getting ready to hire him. Apparently, he's not that damn of a bad dude if that many people are hiring him. Well, I'll say this. You know, when people want to win and people want money, they can overlook a lot of things, and people do that. That's just the way American society has always been. You know it, and I know it. So they need to shine away from that. But I want to ask you this question. Yeah, last thing, I, Anthony, I mean, then we got to go. If I were to be dumb enough to go down here to this local gas station and go in there, when as soon as they open the cash register and grab $25 out of there, I guarantee you that my life would change drastically, and I'd be on an eight ball for the rest of it. I honestly believe that. But I will say this in parting, um, parting until another day. Uh, there was no need to hire this guy, and everybody that was involved, that whole athletic training staff, should be blackballed from coaching uh, uh, any athletic event or, or training anybody under any circumstances. Any kind of license or the uh, certification they got should be pulled and voided, and they need to find them something else to do. If that's selling insurance or working at Burger King or whatever it is, that's where they need to be, not working in any kind of athletics or any level. Once something like that happens, with that kind of nonsense. Don't get me wrong. I can understand you out there training and somebody might get in trouble and die, but when you're pushing somebody to that point and doing stupid things like that and they die, then you don't need to be training anybody and don't need to be working in that profession. But y'all made the mistake. But I tell you what, time will tell, and then I'm going to call you back and I'm going to tell you I told you so. All right, Anthony, we look forward to that. I know you do, and I'm going to make sure. (laughs) All right. All right. Have a good one. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. That (sighs) is a whole lot. And uh, so we need to take uh, our only time out here of the 3 o'clock hour. We know that the Orthopedic Clinic phone line will continue to have more calls in just a moment. I know Matt was trying to hang in there for a little bit uh, a little bit there. Matt, if you want to call us back, you would be up next. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon down to about five or six minutes left in our number one. Still more phone calls and just a little bit to get to on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Obviously, uh, there's going to be a variance of opinions uh, with Auburn's latest hire, DJ Durkin, the now defensive coordinator for Auburn. After previous stops at Texas A&M, Ole Miss, uh, and the Atlanta Falcons post his time at Maryland. Um, Obviously, you guys have already given an opinion on it, and then uh, Anthony certainly gave an opinion on it. Uh, That is certainly one of the opinions. Uh, But I will say this, that I would echo a lot more of what you guys said, where if anything, this I did not want this necessarily to be the higher because of or just everything that was going to divide the opinion and make this yep. make it have to feel like it has to be justified, make it have to be defended, and some of the optics around it. And uh, that's to be fair. I'll tell you again why I was rooting for in the first place. I wanted Lane Kiffin to end up being the guy, not because I did not like Hugh Freeze. He was my second option, but because hey, I think that more people than not are going to be pretty agreeable on this. We go through it together, whereas with Freeze, obviously there was a segment that just absolutely did not want to give him the chance whatsoever. And so same kind of logic here where I think as a candidate, again, I agree with what you guys uh, have said where, again, with some of the stuff that went on at Maryland, and I have read thoroughly the last 24 hours, way more thoroughly than I ever wanted to read about anything that happened at Maryland. Uh, but... I've concluded again with along what you guys are saying again, as I said to Anthony, the people saying straight up, he is a killer are misinformed and are going off a punchline that the Dan Wolkins of the world, uh, who continually bombast people, um, are spewing. And it's incredibly tragic that a human being died. That is the worst thing that can happen. There's no worse thing. And, uh, there is no minimalization of that. The situation, again, was involving the training protocols and how the trainers were reacting to this situation. And, again, it's all incredibly awful and unfortunate. But the pure fact, too, that there's an independent, again, an independent research done on this that then ultimately did not recommend for the removal of D.J. Durkin 
shows you that, again, to say that he is a killer, he is responsible, he is the only person, he is the person, whatever, however you want to frame it, is just not how it actually is. Now, as Tom said, I think there is legitimate concern, or at least there was, about some of the culture issues in the program. There is more reporting on that as well. Uh, a lot of different sites covered this in a lot of different ways back in 2018 into 2019. And there were very question, there are uh, very questionable tactics that were used at that time. Now, here's what I'll say to you. If you are being too much of a hard ass, but then you learn from that and you figure out a better way to get to your players and you stop using those questionable tactics, I don't think that you should be forever a a leper and never allowed to be able to coach in that profession again, because again, he, if, if that, that seems like the far more viable issue here where he was too hard potentially on players. And there's some that'll say, no, even still, that's how it always used to be getting soft, blah, blah, blah. But I would say there's still lines out there. And it's from some of the reporting of the, uh, what was it, Tom, the food stuff that was... Yeah, like food used as like punitive punishment right. on, on people. Like, that, that's you know, like that's a line we can agree train, Yeah, training room type stuff. That yeah. I think there's like a guy that had more food on a tray than he probably should have for his meal plan. And, uh-huh. uh, and apparently, allegedly, Durkin just slapped the food out of right. his hand. I like, mean, that type of just a-hole right. type it's behavior. Dumb, right, it's right. dumb. But that does not disqualify you from ever coaching again. And that's how the people uh, that are against it have treated this. Uh, and I think that, as with a lot of things, when you make mistakes like that, again, not not a killer. That's not how it went down. When you're looking at the mistakes of maybe a too toxic culture, you do get the right to change that. You do get a second chance from that. And I think it's pretty clear from his time at A&M Ole Miss that if these problems are not re-arising, and Tom, I believe you said it a little bit earlier too, if A&M, who just had to fire Jimbo Fisher and cleaned house, if there are not a bunch of players and officials from that program saying, yeah, actually, Durkin was still an absolute butt and everyone hated him and we couldn't wait to get rid of him and the players were all going to leave because of him, if that reporting was coming out, then that is a sign that he has not changed or that the culture reports were all real and that they're still real. Given we've not seen any of that, I have every reason to believe he is now, if if he wasn't already, he is certainly now running uh, a more normal side of things, a more normal culture with what he is coaching, which is, a, of course, the defensive side of the ball with Auburn. He'll also coach some linebackers too, I believe. Uh, but, I again, I, I think that, it's unfortunate that this is the higher just from the standpoint of, again, why we have to do this part of it and why so people, so many people are divided. Obviously, Chris Kiffin would have been someone that, again, I guess it's the I guess when you move on from a Kiffin, then it gets messy after that. Uh, if it had been Chris Kiffin, I think much more alignment from everybody. Uh, but at the end of the day, not everyone's going to agree with everything that you say or do. And you have to believe in your process. You have to believe uh, in – your determinations and of your belief of what's gone on. And that's ultimately what Auburn and Hugh Freeze are doing in this situation. We'll get into the coaching acumen side of things. Moment, Tom, real quickly before we go to break. Well, no, let, let's go to yeah. break because I, I want to okay. read some of this. 
where it was some of the Maryland players that spoke out in support of okay. DJ Durkin as the quote unquote toxic environment. Why some of the players may have come out and spoken about a quote unquote toxic environment and some of these guys that said, no, it wasn't. Okay. I think so, that's fair to do. <clears throat> so as there are a lot of times in life, there are more layers to this than just there, meets the eye. There are always so, two sides to every story. We'll get into that. We'll get into the football side of things. We'll get into more of our phone calls. we still got some phone calls lined up. And much more here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. A reminder that you can always check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. All right, about to get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, but before we went to the break, Tom talked about some other player testimony uh, to the contrary of what the court of public opinion uh, was right. maybe swayed by at the time or maybe still feels to some degree. Uh, so, Tom, let us know about what uh, some of your findings there were. Well, yeah, so uh, it was some of the players that came out in D.J. Durkin's defense uh, from Maryland when all this was happening. Uh, one of them was a starting quarterback, now, I'm just reading some quotes here. Uh, I think this is from the ESPN, an ESPN story that was done back then. Uh, so this is a quote. I saw the coaches caring and wanting guys to do their best, former quarterback Perry Hill said. Uh, and, you know, yelling, yeah, coaches yell. They do things, but it's because they care. You always hear when a coach stops coaching you, that's when you should worry because they're not worried about you anymore. That's, again, from the, the quarterback. Uh, nothing was out of the nature that I would say all of this would happen. Oh, let's see. This is uh, another former teammate. Nothing was out of the nature that I would say all this would happen. It was just uh, strength and conditioning coach Rick Court and all them trying to teach us to be young, responsible men, not only for the University of Maryland, but for after. So uh, it says ESPN cited former players like Malik Jones and several unnamed current players and team sources in claims of featured pattern of verbal abuse, intimidation, personal attacks. However, former defensive end and team captain Roman Broglio, who also played for Durkin in 2016, had a different take on the situation. After This is, quote, after the transition from coach Randy Edsel to coach Durkin in 2015, there were kids on the team that didn't want to play football. 
they didn't want to be a part of a winning team is the best way I can put that. Uh, that sentiment was also shared by Hills. It was a competitive culture, not a negative culture, and that's what the University of Maryland needs. But some guys that didn't buy into it and saw it the other way, that they were just getting yelled at all the time or something of that sort. So that's coming from those players. Um, uh, current players took to Twitter with some like running back uh, Jake Funk and punter Wade Lease defending their coaching staff, while others touted the message of team unity. Uh uh, they were just basically okay. They were just basically saying, you know, what Roman Broglio said was they're like, that's true. Uh, this guy says, totally agree. Coach Durkin is a great person and coach. A few anonymous statements do not speak for the entire program. There you go. So, there you go. That 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 is players that were coming out and saying that basically some of these kids that were on the team were from the dip from Edsel staff, and that when this guy this group came in. They may have been a little bit harder, and they weren't used to it, and they spoke out. But there's these other players that were saying it was not a toxic environment. It was coaches being coaches. Yeah, they were yelling at us. They were making us work hard, but that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to yell at us. They're supposed to make us work hard. It's going to make us better players. But there are some that were just like, oh, he's being too hard on us. That's ultimately where the quote-unquote toxic culture came from, which, you know, if – there, there are accusations in there that I don't like. I, yeah. I, just to be clear, there were some accusations that were made uh, along the, the that you were know, pretty specific and and concerning. Yeah. yeah, you know the the food thing was very concerning. Um, you know, was that Durkin specifically, or was that some of his staff? Uh, the throwing weights in the weight room. You know, was that strength and conditioning coach, or was Durkin doing that? There, there are things of concern there. I, I get it, but to play devil's advocate. There were plenty of players that jumped out and said, whoa, 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 these accusations are not true at all, that Durkin's a great dude, he's a great coach, that they weren't doing anything out of the, out of the spectrum that other coaches do. There were just some that didn't like the way it was being done because maybe they came from a different staff, this, that, and the other, so there's that. And then, of course, Ryan, as you mentioned, when we were talking to Anthony, the player that died at Maryland – Durkin was not out there for that. That was the training staff that they were running everybody. Well, I, I think he was out there, but he was not the one oh, commanding well, uh, the, the, the player to keep to okay. keep going because he sure. doesn't run that as we, we all know. Right. That sometimes the, that's the training staff. The yeah. training staff did that. The training, the, staff. the training staff did not recognize that there was a player in, in dire straits that and then some things happened there. But I mean, sure, you can pin it on on Durkin because he yes, he was the head coach at the time, but it was not Durkin that was running them. It was not Durkin that was out there making them run. It was not Durkin that was making them keep going when a guy was in obvious distress and things like that. That is just not the way that story played out. So, my biggest concern with the Durkin hire, as we have all mentioned, is you hired a guy that is going to have kind of everybody split now. It's not a, everybody is nice and happy and is like, oh, what a great hire. It's another hire that's like it's got baggage. Yes. Is the baggage justified? Is it not justified? I guess that's how you read the reports and what you just personally believe about the man, even though you don't know him, probably don't know anything about the situation. You've never met the man, never talked to the man. But you already have your uh, thoughts on it. And so Auburn made a hire that is going to split a lot of people. And I, you know, I kind of I kind of wish that, you know, we had had a hire that was better off. But 
again, he's a great defensive mind. He has proven that. And obviously he was not unhirable because he has been hired at numerous places since the whole debacle at Maryland. Yeah, both at the NFL and at the, and the NFL college and the college level. All right, let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. As always, take my phone call. I'm doing fine. Uh, I wouldn't plan on really addressing much of that, but after listening to Anthony's conjectures and general conclusions, I uh, want to let you know what I uh, have discovered uh, while listening to your comments, too, Tom, um, and what uh, this comes from the Washington Post in 2018, and what they said in this report was apparently there was a settlement of 3.8 million dollars, uh, 3.5 million dollars uh, that involved uh, George McNair's, he's a gentleman that died, uh, regarding uh, his death, and then they go on to talk about the allegations made by two uh, former players. One was named Little, and the other was named Donahue. So the takeaway from this, according to Washington Post, was one, there was uh, two uh, investigations done by a private outside commission. All right? And that commission said in in its October 2018 report that it, in quotes, found that the Maryland football team did not have a toxic culture, but it did have a culture where problems festered because too many players feared speaking out. Well, there you have it. Right. There was no indication uh, that they found the toxic culture mentioned by the two former players, uh, nor anything that indicated physical abuse. They did say that they outlined, it said here, the commission program program outlined some of the same problems mentioned by the ex-players lawsuit, including abusive language. Intensive workouts and instances of abuse or bullying. Now, it also said that uh, Coach Durkin was not present when this unfortunate incident occurred and the the, uh, player died. He was not present. Yeah, I I have seen that both ways where he was or was not. But what is clear, no matter who's reporting, is that he was not the one leading what was going on at at any way. It was all the it was all the training staff there. And. Uh, eventually this led to uh, some terminations and to some resignations. Um, well, I thought that was, you know, so there was a little lot of fall, fall out there um, regarding the final outcome of all this. Um, so the uh, president, uh, he he was either resigned or, yeah, here it is, um, the fair led to Dirk losing his job, hastened the departure of University President Wallace D. Lowe, and prompted the resignation of James T. Brady, the former chair of the University System and the Maryland's Board of Regents. So that's the fallout that, according to the Washington Report, uh, happened mm-hmm. after that. So yeah. uh, I'm not, you know, uh, completely, you know, comfortable with uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the just the, the flavor of what even the, the commission reported, because they said that, that they confirmed some of the, uh, apparently, uh, the allegations, the uh, verbal abuse, the bullying. And they didn't say who, who did it, though, guys. That's why I found kind of odd. Doesn't the commission usually spell out who did what? Uh, I mean, I guess if they would have an official recommendation uh, to 
uh, remove somebody that they might or Again, some of those accusations are attributed as very uh, as very much just general with coaching staff and not specifically at Durkin, or sometimes they're directed at the training staff too, which, again, some of that weight room stuff is more uh, believed to be training staff issues. So uh, I, I think that uh, it would be far more helpful, obviously, to be specific, but then also you've got, as Tom has talked about, some players – uh, coming out and support, and there was a couple that obviously came out against, and uh, just just the generalities of all of that. Yeah, um, and the district commission never charged uh, Dirk with any kind of crime. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. He again, the official recommendation from the independent uh, independent investigation was that he uh, did not need to be removed, and and so that's why Maryland made the decision they did. And, of course, there was dissent between the president and some of the board of trustees there and that sort of thing. Uh, and that led to some other, again, as you just talked about, some dismissals and that sort of thing. But, again, the recommendation was not given to fire him, and that's why they uh, felt good enough to reinstate him at the time. And then it was the public backlash um, kind of – obviously this is a different circumstance, but public backlash akin to what happened at Tennessee – uh, that then removed him. And there was no NCAA uh, show calls on Durkin, right? Right, yeah. No. There, there was nothing with the NCAA there. Okay. And, uh, Tom, to uh, uh, support what you said earlier, and I think you did too, Ryan, uh, um, if you listen to this, Anthony, uh, later on maybe on the podcast, here's what Philip Marshall said about all this. He said that Durkin is a highly respected defensive coach, so much so the retired Alabama coach Nick Saban was poised to hire him before he retired. And then he also said, I didn't know this, maybe you guys knew it, uh, Missouri offered Durkin his defensive coordinator job twice in the past recent weeks. I didn't know that. I did read that somewhere, too. Again, the, yeah, I mean, the point remains, I mean, you throw in Bama interest, you throw in Missouri, you throw in Auburn, that's almost half the league. That has been interested or flat out hired Durkin in the last just three years. And usually, bad stuff is floating around. They're going to know it, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, programs. Yeah, I mean, if if the stuff at Maryland was as bad as a lot of people in, including in the media, just feel like it is, the guy would never be hireable again. I, I mentioned Art Bryles, who like you know the stuff that happened with Art Bryles at Baylor and everything. That man's not. Nobody's hiring him. Nobody's touching him with a ten foot pole. Yeah, he'd be persona non gratis. Yes. So apparently DJ Durkin's not that bad. And and I and Steve, I, I'm reading this. I pulled up the story from when he got hurt at Ole Miss, which was like right after that. I mean, he spent what a year with the Falcons as a as something, and yeah, then Ole Miss hurt him. This is this is Keith Carter, who was their athletic director at the time. As part of our standard vetting process for all hires, the university conducted a thorough background check on Coach Durkin. We connected with several highly respected college football coaches, administrators, and school officials about their experiences working with him. We received consistently strong feedback about Coach Durkin's strong character and work ethic and his positive impact on the communities and institutions where he was previously employed. Once we had the chance to spend time with Coach Durkin, we were even more convinced he is exactly the type of accomplished coach with strong football credentials who is also a proud and committed family man that will make him a great addition to our staff. That's when he got hired at Ole Miss, literally, two years after the stuff at Maryland. Now you fast forward all the way to now. Yeah, three years of coaching. And the people are still griping about the man. And it's like, dude, 
People have been hiring this guy. He's a highly sought-after defensive coach. But you but keep Tom, wanting to pin the stuff that happened that Tom, many years ago. Are you surprised? When it comes to Auburn, they got to be squeaky clean or you'll get Pat Ford or Pete Thamel oh, uh, trying to find something, right? I, absolutely. He is, not the, he is not the pearly white, gleaming personification of the Auburn creed. But if he'd have been hired by Saban, I doubt we've heard any of this crap. No, it would have been the greatest defensive coaching hire ever. And we would have heard that phone call from Anthony probably. Oh, we would have heard a call oh, about oh, how they're going to they're going to Hallelujah Land, and that's yeah. the best thing that has ever happened to Alabama. And DJ Durkin is about to make teams wish that they'd never play Alabama. Yeah, all right. Let's go to something really bad. It's for real. Uh, and I saw this. I said, "Uh oh, if you." Get anything that comes from the usually bad news, brave, bad breaking news people is who? Pat Ford and who else? Pete Thamel. And I know you guys already mentioned it, but I saw from SB Nation by Terry Lambert. Is he under NCAA investigation for major NIL infraction? Guys, do you know in details about it? You're talking about with Tennessee? Yeah, what are the major NIL? Uh, it's around uh, that quarterback. It's yeah. around the I'm a Leve quarterback. Uh, is it DJ? Nico. Nico. Nico yeah. D- Nico, I am a Leve or whatever. Yeah. Seems to be centered around that. But the biggest thing is Tennessee just got a little slap on the wrist like a, a year or two years. Or it was a little more than that. Last it was, year. It no, was, the official penalties were last the year. The official yeah. penalties were last year. It was under Jeremy Pruitt when the accusations happened. But. They just got slapped on the wrist with major infractions, and now they're turned around and getting accused again. It's like, oh, man, apparently you didn't learn your lesson. Well, guys, is this plausible? Some, no, just read this, Tom, as you were talking here. It says, uh, this is the same story. It says, Tennessee made a big splash in 2022, landing five-star quarterback Nico Lamaliev for a reported, this can't be, this can't be real, $8 million NIL deal. $8 million? It could be real uh, if it's $8 million over the life of being at Tennessee, not just a one-time up front. Because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just I'm speechless. Because uh, we, well, we've heard those $1 and $2 million figures, which yes, I've always just assumed. Million. Right, which I've always assumed those are just like for one year at a time, though, which, again, you multiply that by three or four, you get up into the – mid single digits there but so I, I don't know that that's also why I get frustrated because no one even knows what the term what the length term or anything about this money is because I, yeah if it's eight million for one year uh compared to one to two million or if it's even if if it's one yeah if it's eight for one year or versus one to two million for one year or if it's eight for four years versus one to two million for four years no matter how you put that that is ungodly comparison to other really huge name quarterbacks. I say it goes into the whole holy crap category. Yeah. Okay. All right. Stick with our, our our guys, guys in basketball. Did you guys happen to catch at all the Texas Houston basketball game last night? I did watch part of it. I was not able to to study it too closely, but I did see bits and pieces. You go? Did you watch it overtime? I did see some of overtime, but again, I was. I was at a restaurant, so I was hit or miss okay. on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I kept watching uh, Texas. I was pulling for them. I said, you know, I thought our team was woeful uh, against the Satan team making baskets. But Texas had so many opportunity chances to have won that game in, in regulation. You know, it was just incredulous. You know, I said, wow, they're actually 
uh, team to shoot worse than our team does. And uh, uh, well, I just mentioned because I really thought they would pull the upset, and somehow, well, I guess that's what really good teams do, right? They manage to hang on there. Mistakes, yeah. yeah. And look, in Houston too, I will say this just a little because I mean they're going to be a team that we talk about in March. I mean they are one of the best teams in the country. They're the new Virginia. They're they're the team that likes to hold people to 50, 60 points. If you look back at their season, the previous game, they allowed 52, 68, 42, 54, 68, 57, 55. So they, and they did lose one or two of those because they had bad offensive nights, but they are an excellent defensive team. So yeah, I, I know Texas did miss some looks there, uh, but he, honestly, by, by uh, playing against Houston standards, just to get, I know it was an overtime, but to get over 70 was a, was better than what Houston's accustomed to giving up. Yeah. Their free throws uh, didn't help them either. Sure. Okay. And then going on, guys, um, to the NFL the Super Bowl, um, if you guys want to make, you know, they all have a lot, there's a lot of propositions that, that, that they do in the Super Bowl. Some of them are just outlandish. Well, here's one that I said, are you serious? This is going to be a prop, guys, if you want to take it on. Okay. Okay. And this is with uh, FanDuel. But it's apparently FanDuel Canada. But this is coming from Bleacher Report. And says so you can really bet on whether, hold on to your seats, Kelsey will propose to Taylor Swift <laughs> on the field in Canada. <laughs> oh, man. Seems a little soon. Yeah. I, I'll i say no. I don't know okay. what, I, what are my well, odds. Here, here, here are your odds. If you say yes, you get plus 190. Okay. Okay. If you say no, though, you got to really put up some money. Minus 250. I don't know. I just can't see them doing that that quickly. Was it been four months, three months? I don't. I don't know though. I, I'm still not a better though. I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. But uh, I, no would be the way I would lean there. Yeah, I was just so astonished. I said, you know, I know they have some really uh, wacky, you know, propositions, you know, uh, at Vegas for the Super Bowl. But that's, this one to me, this beats it. My favorite's always. It, this is a simple one, but it it exposes you as a degenerate. If you bet on the coin toss, coin toss, it, yeah, it's it. it's beer, it's pure fifty fifty. Like you, you get, you, there's no knowledge required. It's just fifty fifty, and you kind of show yourself as someone that's got to bet a lot because uh, there's no there's no rhyme or reason. It's just fifty fifty, and who the hell knows? It doesn't. I mean, well, yeah, I, I know you said that, but I read uh, an article written by some statistics people a few years back, and they said actually it's not fifty fifty. That if you did it long enough, right? But they said. More often than not, if you choose heads, you're going to come out ahead. I mean, again, you still only got two options, though, man, and it's just I a know. flip. So, I know. I, yeah. I know. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, and this one is interesting because I didn't know about this lady. You may have known her because uh, I don't know many of the people in WNBA. But apparently, uh, Bleach Report uh, has this on there. It came up, and there's a lady uh, by her name is Caitlin Clark. You know of her? Oh, yeah. At Iowa? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's getting ready to close out on a guy whose record I thought would never be uh, close to being broken, Mr. Pete Maravich. Okay. It says here, Clark is currently sixth on the men's and women's NCAA Division One scoring list, but she's 279 points away from passing Pete Maravich for the number one spot in scoring. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know what, she'll be on well, her way to doing that then. Yeah, well... With a minimum of 11 games left, she has to average 25.3 points per game to do it. They said it's a lot. You know why? Because they say she's averaging, hold on, 
32 points per game. Yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah, if she's healthy, she's going to be good. She's going she's gonna to get I, it. I didn't think anyone would come close to beating Pizza, uh, Pistol Pete Maravich's uh, record. Yeah, pretty incredible. But there you go. All right, before I go, guys, yep. I'm going to go ahead and ask you now. Tell me that I do not need to be yelling at my TV screen, you know, get his butt, or <laughs> please go take a timeout for the Vanderbilt game. Yeah, if there was ever a game in SEC play. I would tell you this would be the one. Auburn has already beaten this team by 15 points on the road. Vandy is the worst team in the SEC, and this game, of course, is in Neville Arena. So, uh, again, I, I, I will promise you that Auburn will win by a, a decent margin. Now, does that mean that it's the first 10 minutes are sleepy or Vandy hits a couple threes here and there and maybe makes you a little uncomfy? I, you know, I, I can't ever promise you that, but Auburn will win this game and they should do it by double figures, and if they don't, then they've had a massive failure. That's what I'm concerned about. If we struggle at all, then, uh-oh, we got a lot of problems that I I didn't think we had. It certainly now, would be lingering, yep. The line I would make it right now be somewhere between 14 to 16. What would you make it? I, yeah, I'd be tempted to go a little higher, even honestly, than that, given that Auburn has already played this team on the road. I might lean closer to 18, 19, pushing the 20. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, maybe right. that's bullish. I don't know, but, but again, the, this the, you could not play a worse team in the SEC, and then you are on a home court, which is a very impactful, impactfully positive home court. Well, anytime I get overconfident with anything regarding Auburn, sure, uh, I remind myself of Tom, yeah. who says, "Hey, it happens." <laughs> it does. Yep. So, okay, so that's my guys. Thank you for your time as always. I look forward to hearing you later on the podcast. So have a relaxing evening and. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow. Where you guys? Where you'll Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired word name Steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Let's go ahead and head to our first break of the four o'clock hour. When we come back, uh, we'll kind of start to wrap things up a little bit on the Durkin side of things, or at least what we want to do when we come back is again remind you of the whole coaching staff. Okay, we're going to go through again everything that kind of happened through the last few weeks. And remind everyone of all the hires made and talk a little bit about what we feel, uh, how Auburn did with the entire staff. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Follow SportsCall on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. All right, welcome back to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, presumed by Coca-Cola, we certainly appreciate you for tuning in, however you may be tuning in on this Tuesday. All right, so with DJ Durkin being hired as Auburn defensive coordinator, thus completes the on-the-field coaching staff cycle. Yep. 
for Auburn in 2024. So, again, I'm going to list to everyone the staff, and the guys are going to be the judge of how this staff is overall and maybe their favorite hire of this cycle. So, with that in mind, of course, Derek Nix is now the offensive coordinator for Auburn and the running back coach. He coming over from Ole Miss. Kent Austin was promoted to quarterback coach, of course. Both those moves in wake of the firing of Phil Montgomery. Marcus Davis continues to be the wide receiver coach. Jake Thornton continues to be the offensive line coach. And Ben Agamaya continues to be the tight end coach. On the defensive side of the ball, DJ Durkin is now the defensive coordinator. He replacing Ron Roberts, who left for Florida. Josh Aldridge is still the linebackers coach. Jeremy Garrett is still the defensive line coach. Charles Kelly brought in to be a co-defensive coordinator, also work a little bit with defensive backs and, of course, being uh, the recruiting uh, specialist there on the defensive side of the ball. And Wesley McGriff has returned, still here, like he never left, <laughs> is the secondary coach. So, of course, again, those departing were Philip Montgomery, uh, of course, Cadillac Williams, that was on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, Ron Roberts and Zach Etheridge. So, Tom, your thoughts on this staff as a whole and maybe your favorite hire of the cycle? Uh, I think it's a, actually an incredible staff. When you really look at it from top to bottom, it's a very good staff, and it is flat-loaded with recruiting monsters. Uh well, you know Hugh Freeze is a recruiting monster yes. himself at the head. Derek Nix, monster recruiter. Marcus Davis, monster recruiter. DJ Durkin, monster recruiter. Charles Kelly, monster recruiter. Wesley McGriff, monster recruiter. That's five. You got five of the top recruiting assistants in the entire country on this staff right now, and I think that's incredible. Now, as far as my favorite hire, it's Derek Nix. The biggest thing that needed to be fixed with this team is on the offensive side of things right now. You hope the defense now under DJ Durkin doesn't take any steps back. You, you know, obviously, you want them to get better, but the defense has not been the problem. Offense has been the major, major, capital letters, major problem over the last several years. I think Derek Nix coming in here, uh, Hugh Freeze, I'm assuming still going to – do the play calling duties. It's what it sounds like. It depends on what you read now, though, with Derek Nix leaving Ole Miss. Was there something in his contract with a buyout where he had to be able to be the play caller? I don't know all the inner details with that. But Derek Nix coming in here, uh, one of the most highly renowned assistants out there, a highly renowned running backs coach, but, I mean, a highly renowned recruiter. Um I can't emphasize that enough that Derek Nix is the type of guy that can swiftly get that offense turned around and start bringing in studs. And so that's the one that I, I am most excited about. Uh, when I look across the way on defense, I, you know, I'm just, I'm excited about Dirk and Kelly and McGriff. Um, I really like bringing McGriff back in here. Uh Hugh Freeze seemed like he was very adamant that he wanted to try to get him back from Texas A&M. There were some issues that happened during the season uh, where he left from an on-field position to off-field and then went to A&M. But Hugh Freeze, I think, was just 
just very, very adamant that he had to have McGriff on the staff. And so I like the fact that you got that. Uh, man, when you, you know, when you think about uh, – well, well, first of all, defensive-wise, between Durkin and Charles Kelly running that defense, I mean, that's two of the best defensive minds in the country that are now going to be collaborating on this defense. So that in itself, it, that's special. But then if you look at their both of Durkin and Charles Kelly, especially Charles Kelly uh, recruiting acumen and and how renowned of a recruiter he is, that's Charles Kelly. Uh, DJ Durkin ain't no slouch himself when it comes to recruiting and the known uh, ability to recruit. So now you, when you put Durkin and Kelly both on that defense, that's, that's pretty damn strong. Uh, I ain't going to lie. That's strong. These other guys, you know, Aldridge, linebacker coach, coming back, Jeremy Garrett, hey, I like him. You know, it keeps some continuity there. You're not having to completely replace your entire staff. Good with him. Uh, I am kind of curious about the Ken Austin with the quarterback deal. Um, I mean, he is, a, he is a very renowned quarterback guy. I mean, a lot of people like him. Um, he's just been a freeze guy for a while. He's yeah, he's yeah. he's been a freeze guy for for a long time. Uh, I just I I think on the offensive side of the things, Derek Nix and Marcus Davis are going to be your main offensive recruiters. Uh, Ken Olsen is going to do his thing. Same thing with Thornton and uh, how do ben, you Ben Agamaya? Agamaya. Um, they're going to do their thing, but I mean, really, uh, Derek Nix and Marcus Davis are going to kind of be at the forefront of of recruiting on that offensive side of things. So, I I'm excited about it. I I like the staff. Um, you know, with the Durkin thing, I just wish some people would take a huge giant leap away from the ledge and look at the big picture of things instead of focusing on on what's got their panties in a wad right now with it. Um, I I like the staff. I, I think it's I, I think it's got to be one of the more solid staffs uh, in the country right now. Yeah, look, I, I think that the clear message has been since Freeze got here about the recruiting side of things. So. This staff certainly accomplishes that. And that's why I look to in some of the guys that are returning. Like, we know how good of a job in year one here under the free staff that Marcus Davis did recruiting the wide receiver position. That was a excellent job by Davis and company doing that. Uh, we know that Josh Aldridge on the defensive side of the ball. Look, Auburn had a really, really good linebacking class uh, this year. I mean, if the receiver class had not been so thoroughly good, the linebacking class would have been – uh, the top position uh, of the class with bringing three or four really high-quality guys. A guy like Demarcus Riddick, who might have a chance to play pretty early based off a, a portal decision or two. Uh, Jamonte Waller was a huge flip. Uh, someone that's probably going to be on the edge a little bit. Uh, Joe Phillips, someone that was one of the first guys that Hugh Freeze and company got back last year. Uh, someone that was in, uh, Georgia was interested in. So the linebacking room and, and Josh Aldridge helping out with that uh, he certainly proved some metal there. Uh, as far as, again, the staff as a whole, I think, again, they accomplished that goal with recruiting. I think they've got a good balance of guys in terms of guys that are known for on the field versus the recruiting for younger guys, uh, some SEC guys, some experienced guys. They've got a little bit of everything in the staff. They've got Auburn ties. They've got guys that have been just freeze lifers. You know, that they, they have a mix of, of guys there. Um my favorite hire is Derek Nix, which was yours as well. I think that objectively speaking, when you see how uh, badly Lane Kiffin wanted him to stay 
and you see the way Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss acted when they did lose him, uh, then clearly there was you know a little bit of frustration there from Ole Miss's side of things. So that I think is pretty well warranted. And I think that you had to make a good hire there also because just a lot of people are definitely going to be sad that Cadillac Williams is not on the staff anymore. So you needed to hire a quality guy there, and I feel like they did, and a guy that will help assist in the offensive game planning. I do expect Freeze to be calling plays. That is still every indication we've got. We'll see if his tune changes at all uh, once we get to the fall. But well, Nick's has never called plays for has he or has Nick's has not no yeah so, and so I again I would right. think think for the world it would still be freeze but I still want him to say that as we approach the actual twenty twenty four season but that is the best reporting out there suggests it will be freeze uh, but regardless Nick's is somebody that survived four coaching changes at one school yeah that school clearly valued him and that school had him do some running backs and some wide receivers at times so even a little versatile there. Uh, so really like the Derek Nix hire. The argument I could make for Charles Kelly being the best hire, so we'll go with that for a second, is the fact that you're getting a guy that some people would legitimately want as their full-time defensive coordinator. Again, we talked about yesterday that that could end up being what Auburn does if Kiffin, Chris Kiffin, that is, and Durkin declined or didn't work out for whatever reason, that they might just ultimately go with Charles Kelly. So, again, that's a guy that is still – absolutely valued as a full-time defensive coordinator, yet you get him kind of half price as a co-defensive coordinator. And, of course, he has always been regarded, no matter what you think the X and O's part of things, he's always been regarded as a top 5, 10 guy recruiting, period, as an assistant coach. And so when I look at Hugh Freeze and I think of, okay, what is an offensive guy that wants to run offense and focus on offense, what is he likely to May, maybe miss out on like what would he what would an offense guy need help on they might need help recruiting defense right well so your very best recruiter on the staff is probably going to be charles kelly and he's a defensive guy so he's going to help you recruit that defensive side of the football so that's why i think i could make an argument for kelly too being the best hire in that situation just because of the emphasis like you trust hugh freeze to convince offensive people like, you've got the guys for them. You've got the philosophy. You've got a, a track record there developing some guys, recruiting guys. Like, you're going to get offense figured out. But how can you consistently make sure that's a part of your defensive side of things? You get someone like Charles Kelly to convince them of that. So, I think that those were absolutely excellent hires. I don't think there was a true, I don't think there was a bad hire on this cycle. And I think that Auburn's coaching staff really honestly probably improved it was not a bad staff last year they they no. did have some uh some development issues on offense ironically but i think that they have gotten a, a little bit better here with with what they've done on both sides of the ball so same question to you brooks so uh you again we ran down the whole staff mm. here offense and defense side of the ball just what do you think of the overall staff and then your favorite hire kind of between uh, Derek Nix, Ken Austin, DJ Durkin, uh, Charles Kelly, and you can even throw in, I guess, Wesley McGriff just for being able to retain him. Yeah, um, <clears throat> as a whole, I think the staff is fairly solid. Um, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily – overall, I, I guess I, I like it a step up a little bit from last year, the, the first, the inaugural Hugh Freeze staff. Um, I, I like a little bit of a step up because I think with the, the hiring of Durkin 
And uh, with the hiring of Charles Kelly, you add two really known uh, recruiting commodities. You add two guys with SEC experience. Uh, you add guys that know the area. And, you know, with, with Charles Kelly being a high school coach in this area for a while, went to Auburn uh, and then was in the college re- uh, coaching uh, here in the state of Alabama, uh, I think that that is uh, really, uh, really positive to get a guy that knows the area. Durkin, a guy that's been around the FCC for a while, uh, I think that that is also a, a, on the football side of things. That is a, I think that that's a positive thing for the defense. Um Honestly, you know, you, you look at it, you, you look at the guys that were hired. The only one that I'm not as uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not as positive on is the Kent Austin moving up to the quarterback's coach because I would have possibly – me personally, I would have liked to bring somebody else in from outside that has a little bit more experience with the quarterbacks, a little bit more, you know, can, can get me – get more out of the quarterbacks. With Kent Austin, I know he was just an analyst, so he didn't have as much uh, coaching, uh, you know co- – ability to coach the quarterbacks but you know the the way that everybody kind of you know complained about quarterback play this year with the, with yeah. Auburn and you're going into it with uh the only you know addition to the staff or addition to the quarterback room right now is a true freshman in Walker White who may or may not play this year so you're going in with the same quarterbacks you had last year minus Robbie Ashford uh and expecting you know and I would like to bring in somebody from the outside to maybe get on you know to to help develop those quarterbacks a little bit more than than what the the staff did this year um I love the Derek Nix hire I, I think uh I know the offense over at, at Ole Miss was, you know, everybody looks at Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin offense, but Derek Nix has been there. They didn't want to lose him. Uh, there's a reason that, that Lane Kiffin didn't want to lose Derek Nix. Uh, he's a good recruiter. I, I think that he's going to bring a, a little spark to the offense that Hugh Freeze is going to be looking for, especially with Hugh Freeze returning to play calling, uh, a guy that can, can help focus on on coaching uh, a little bit more than just play, than play design. Um and then uh, the the two defensive coaches I already uh, said and you know throw Wesley McGriff in there. Wesley McGriff's the guy that has been off and on at Auburn uh, a, a few times over the years and has always been a good recruiter. I, I think that you know Auburn keeping him uh, is is a win. Uh, but the other two defensive coordinators I kind of touched on a little bit earlier. But you're adding a lot of recruiting depth. You're adding two guys from the Southeastern Conference uh, experience uh, that know the area and uh, and you're adding a guy in, in DJ Durkin again. Uh, the off the field stuff we've talked about that the the, the whole show so far um, uh, we we know what's there but the on the field stuff uh, the fact that you know this past year with a a, a Texas A&M team that finished below par for the talent that they had and finished you know in a in a season that led to a head coach firing the fact that they had a top twenty defense in the country uh, and finished one spot behind an Alabama team that we that made the playoff and was you know, just a, a couple plays away from from playing for a national title. Uh, I think that is that that's a, a really good hire on the on the defensive calling uh, side of things. Right. Well, because I mean, there with A and M, it was kind of the same thing as with Auburn, where I you know Auburn did a pretty good job against Ole Miss, to be fair. But A and M gave up points to Ole Miss and LSU, and if you look at it, pretty much everything else. They had the weird Miami game at the early part of the year with some turnovers also influencing the score there, but. Everything else was was very solid on that side of things. And I looked this up from the statistical part of things with Durkin since we have not gotten too much into the the stats side of things. So A&M this year, and really the last two years, uh, have been right up there in the SEC. And, of course, he was at uh, A&M for two years. This year they were 21 points a game defensively. 
uh, and, and that was third in the SEC, and I'm going to sh- break the news and shock you that Georgia and Alabama were the two above them. In 2022, they were basically the same point total, 21.2. It was fourth, though, because Kentucky had a good year defensively. The interesting part is the yards a game, if you care about that. I know points, are obviously, or what decides the games, but yards-wise, A&M was kind of middle of the pack his first year. What was odd about it is that they were awesome against the pass and horrible against the run. They gave up 208 rush yards a game, which was worse than the league. However, they gave up only 156 passing yards a game his first year at A&M. That was first in the country. Well, then the next year, which was this year at A&M, they were still fine pass defense-wise. I mean, they were still top three in the SEC with it. But then they corrected the run game part of it, and they gave up the fewest rush yards in the SEC this year after giving up the most the year before. And yardage-wise, Texas A&M by .2, just barely, by .2 yards, was the best statistical defense at giving up yards even better than Georgia and Alabama this year. So that's the statistical side of things. I also looked this up because, again, with the points per game, A&M was about 21.3 this year, 21.2 last year. And I looked up, again, that was third in the SEC. The last time Auburn was top three in the SEC from points per game perspective was back in 2017. So not even the last three Kevin Steele defenses got them in the top three ranking in the SEC. And why I find that relevant is you're playing all the teams in the same conference. You could say, where does that rank in the country? And certainly that is relevant when you play in national title games, you play in big-time bowl games, whatever, play a big non-conference game. But – all the SEC teams are playing all the other SEC teams. So if you're beating all of their defenses, playing the same offenses, okay, that's a pretty good ranking mechanism. So Auburn has not finished in the top three. They finished fourth a time or two, but they've not finished in the top three in scoring defense back since 2017. So, again, I think that's a pretty good sign. Obviously, they did have a lot of talent to work with. That's what Auburn is working on in the talent acquisition process they got the first piece of that puzzle I think with a good recruiting class which again was pretty well balanced this year both offensively and defensively because of that linebacking room because of uh, a guy like Morris Williams on the front side of things with the defensive line so uh, again I think they balanced that out pretty well but again the the acumen there at A&M the last couple years is why again the reports are there that that if Nick Saban had stayed he might have ended up hiring DJ Durkin's defense coordinator. He was certainly interested in him in the short time that he was aware that Kevin Steele was officially retiring and that he was still looking at, well, how am I going to operate with a new DC and that sort of thing. And then ultimately what ended that was Nick Saban retiring. But of course it led us to today where DJ Durkin becomes the defense coordinator. Auburn rounds out that staff staff hiring process is complete. There will be some few more off-the-field roles that you can have in the recruiting world, of course, our certainly uh, great friend Trevon Reed leaving last week is one of those type of roles as he uh, left for cornerback uh, coach at, at UCF. But, again, the on-the-field roles at Auburn now all full after the hiring of DJ Durkin last night. We are out of time for hour number two of the show, but stay tuned in hour number three. We'll move on. To a few other things, of course, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 888 9 We'll also try to get to a little Auburn basketball and maybe a word or two still about these NFL Conference Championship games from this past week. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call, starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here. About to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line. But before we do that, we want to get to the Southeastern Land Group. Sports Call 5 at 5. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. Real quickly for the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group, Want to go real quickly through the top five teams in the Southeastern Conference. In basketball, there are five teams with two losses or fewer, so let's get to them. Number one. Tied at the top. Really not tied at the top because of the uh, extra win, but it is the Crimson Tide of Alabama at 6-1 and one in the SEC. They have half a game over. Number two. Which is the Tennessee Volunteers who are 5-1. and one. So Tennessee's already had kind of their open day. Alabama not yet. But those are the only two one-loss teams in SEC play as we enter this week. Number three. There is a three-way tie at 5-2 and two in the league. It starts with Kentucky, who did sustain a loss last week. They sustained that loss too. Number four. South Carolina, who is five and two in the SEC, 17 and three overall. If you told me those numbers before before the year, I would have not believed you. But South Carolina looks like they are legitimately good. And they are tied with Kentucky and number five. Of course, Auburn. Auburn sustaining their first two losses in conference play last week. They are tied with South Carolina and Kentucky at 5-2 and two in the league. Again, five teams there with two losses or fewer, and that is Sports Calls 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. The top five teams in the SEC all having two losses or fewer so far, about a third of the way through conference play. All right, let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-340. Locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? Fine. Hey, Brooks. Hey, Tom. Hey, What's Matt. up? How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Hanging in there. Absolutely. Hey, hey, hey Tom, did your girlfriend ever get a trivia for me? Not yet. I, I still need to try to do that. Okay. Hey, what do you guys think about Auburn hiring a former coach from uh, DJ, what his name is? DJ Durkin. Yeah, what, and 
What do you guys think about what do you guys think about that? I I I think it's a I think it's a good hire overall. Uh, I am concerned that it's a, a hire that not everybody is on board with just because of the past and that there's a lot of people upset with it. Uh, they didn't hire a guy that just everybody is happy with, but I mean, he's, he's a really, really good defensive coach and he's a really good recruiter and a lot of people wanted him, including Nick Saban. Yeah. Bert, how's your day going? My day's going pretty good. Hey, what do you guys think about the basketball game tomorrow night? Yeah, I think Auburn's got... What do you guys guys score? I think Auburn's got a really good shot to win that game. They already beat them uh, by double digits up in Nashville earlier this year. So I I would say uh, if if you're asking for a score, I think a a realistic score could be, you know, Auburn 85 to to Vanderbilt 68 to 70, something like that. Yeah, I don't think I scored like 90 points or something like that. I mean, Auburn really they they average about mid to upper eighties in in scoring, and they've they've capped or they've they've surpassed that a little in the in the non conference play, uh, but uh, you know most of the time they're they're scoring in that mid to upper eighties. Yeah, Brent, what do you think? Uh, Brent's not on the show today. It's uh, me. Brian, yeah. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think Auburn certainly can uh, score a lot of points against Vandy. They scored eighty. Uh, in Nashville against the Commodores, I think they'll be heavily favored. I think they're going to be itching for a really good offensive performance after their first truly bad one in conference play this past weekend. Uh, I think they'll score a lot. Well, hey, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at my computer of uh, Auburn undercover, and do you guys know anything about the quarterback named TJ Latif? Lacy, yeah. Uh, what what do you guys know about him? Do you think he'd be good for Auburn for to come to uh, play play football at Auburn? Yeah, I think that again he is somebody that uh, pretty highly touted guy. It's, his name is KJ Lacey. Now he is uh, committed to Texas. I know that uh, other schools have been uh, pretty hard on him. He's out of Saraland, which is the same place that Ryan Williams was, but Lacey's in the 2025 class of so this next class. Uh, and again, I with with Texas keeping their quarterbacks longer than anticipated, with Quinn Ewers coming back, which means Arch Manning's still the backup, but yet he returning for another year. Uh, maybe there is some uncertainty about uh, how long Lacey would have to wait there. So I know Auburn has continued to recruit him. I know Alabama, I believe, is still continuing to recruit him. But uh, at this point, he's still a Texas commit. Well, hey, uh, Brooks, hey, hey, or or Ryan, have you guys talked to my man, man Javon Reed? I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, kind of disappointed he left. Uh, yeah, but this I, I have uh, spoken to him briefly. He is uh, very excited about this opportunity. This is a uh, a wonderful business opportunity or a just life decision uh, for him to be able to, to do this, to get on the field role uh, for coaching and, co- and coaching with somebody that means a lot to him with Gus Malzahn. Uh, th- this was an opportunity he just could not pass up, and he's very excited about it. Well, have you guys, have you guys told him I've been asking about him and saying hey to him? Yes. And so, hey, another thing I'm looking, I know you guys have to go, but another thing I'm looking at, um, they're talking about a, uh, a Auburn the, a video board in the north end zone. What do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, I think the board of trustees has approved it, and it's just a matter of getting everything together to start working on it. 
doing something in that north end zone is long, long, long overdue because that scoreboard is the same one that has been there, uh, I think, since they built the stadium. <laughs> that is about as ancient of a scoreboard for a major college football stadium as you could imagine. And uh, they've needed to do some major upgrades on that end of the stadium, so I'm glad to see they're finally making some progress towards that. Is it video board? Well, when you got any like answer this, is the video board going to be like the the the, uh, the one in the uh, Jimmerton? I mean, it's going to be a video board. I highly doubt it's going to be the same size as the uh, as the uh, Megatron video board over there on the other side. But it's going to be a board that's going to have video capabilities and you know more upgraded uh, features on it. Uh, my other question is: Are they going to do anything else to the north end zone other than just the scoreboard? Because that whole end needs a lot of work done to it. What? So what? I how, how, I, I see they're still working on, on the baseball um, stadium and stuff. That when that's going when that's going to be done. So that's a a two two part project. Right. The the Hall of Fame club seats behind home plate are going to be done right in time for the season, uh, and then the other part of it, the the outfield seating in behind the monster. Uh, I don't think they've started on that yet. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that they've got a timeline on when that one's going to be done. But the suites down the uh, first baseline. Uh, those are going to be done uh, January of 2025 is what I read today. They, they released their construction update, actually. Uh, Auburn Facilities did today, so I got caught up on some of the, uh, the things there. So uh, seating behind home plates in the, the Hall of Fame club is going to be open right in time for the season here next month. And then the stuff down the first baseline, all the new suites and the, the lifted seating up there is going to be done in time for next baseball season. But there's going to be seats underneath, right? Where TVs are and stuff like that. Yeah, there's gonna it, it, that's gonna be the Hall of Fame Club, and that's gonna be uh, you're gonna have to have a special ticket to get in there, uh, and it's gonna be done just in time for this coming baseball season. Well, hey, I got a question for you guys. I I want you guys honest honest opinion and answer. I'm gonna be going to an Alabama State A Day game and some Alabama State football games. And the question I got for you guys. Is when you guys can answer, like Tom can answer first, and then Brooke, you answer, and then Ryan, then you guys can you guys tell me your answer. What do you guys think me being in Alabama State football jersey? Tom, I'll start with you first. Wait, are you saying you're trying to get an Alabama State football jersey? No, I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear one because I'm gonna be going with. Um, with somebody to an Alabama State football games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So what you guys, I just want to know what you guys think about that. So Tom, I'll start with you first, and then Brooke can answer, and then Ryan. What do you guys think? I'm an Auburn fan. Uh, my mom, my mom said I'll be look good in Alabama State um, jersey. Yeah, I, I want to know what you guys think. I, I say this, as long as it's not an Alabama jersey, if it's Alabama State, hey, go for it. You just can't support the Crimson Tide and be an Auburn fan, but you can support the Hornets. Yeah. So, hey, so Brooks and Ryan, what do you guys think? I think it's fine. I, I have I, I personally own an Oregon jersey and I own a Texas A&M jersey. So if you want to go out and you 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 know wear a wear an Alabama State jersey, especially to an Alabama State football game, I th- I'm all for it. You'd look uh, styling. Yeah, and I I, I agree, man. Like uh, there's going to be nothing quite like the orange and blue, but uh, but I think you'll look good, man. Well, 
I've asked my he was my caregiver, but I asked him, what would they do if I wear an Auburn shirt? And they said they they wouldn't care. Now I think Alabama State fans they might say it's something different. They go, okay, you're not here watching the Alabama State game, then why are you wearing an Auburn football jersey? Well, I I can tell you what, Matt. There there are people. If you go to Auburn games, there are people walking around with uh with no matter who Auburn's playing. You, there are people walking around with Alabama jerseys. There's people walking around with I've seen Ohio State jerseys. I've seen all different sorts of. I went to an Auburn basketball game last year. I saw Tennessee. Uh, I saw Ohio State. I saw Duke. Uh, there people wear wear jerseys all the time to foot to, to uh, different sporting events, no matter who the teams are. Um, well, hey, I want to tell you guys this, but right. Hey, Tom, tell you this first. He said for me not to wear an Alabama jersey, right? University of Alabama, right? Yes. I, Tom, I would never wear anything Alabama. Good. And that's what a good Auburn I, fan should say. Because here's why. Here's why. I got two cousins. One's a lawyer and one's a doctor. One of them speaks five other languages, Chinese, Japanese, any kind, any kind of language, okay? The other one is a lawyer, and they're... Um, if I were an Auburn stuff, they go like, well, we're going to try to get instead of word, the opposite word, instead of war ego, instead of opposite word. You guys might laugh about this. It's kind of funny. I told them, in my family, I don't say the opposite word. I say war eagle. I bleed, I bleed Steve called earlier today. Did he have any questions for me? He did not. Has uh, James or Sean called? They have not, uh, at least in the last few days. All right, well, uh, listen, um, hey, Tom, hey Tom, you're going to try to get your girlfriend on probably Monday, right, probably? Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like I said, she's always at work when we're on the air, so it's hard to get that to happen. Are you gonna try to get? You gonna try to ask her a trivia question for me, right? Uh, if I can, if I can do that, I will try. Wait, well, hey, if you guys talk to, if you guys talk to uh, De, uh, Devon Reed again, tell him I said hey. And uh, do you guys know where Cadillac's gonna be probably coaching at? Yeah, or we Jack- we do not. He does not have a job right now. Does Jack Efforts have a job yet? Yeah, he he went straight to Houston. He he that was a direct move. Yep. Well, hey, um, you guys have like a good day, and I'll talk to you guys. I'll talk to you guys Monday. I'll do some trivia, probably Monday. All uh, right if, then. If that, uh, I'll probably do. Uh, I'll probably do some N- NCAA uh, trivia. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, you guys have. Uh, you guys 
You guys have a good day. And, and Brooke, tell your wife I said, hey. I sure will. No, I said work on telling her. Tell her, um, make sure she behaves. All right, I will. You guys, uh, worry about, tell Cam I said, hey, you guys talk to him. All right, we certainly will do that. All right, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Matt did bring up something in there uh, with the stadium we had yet to get to. That was being reported, let's say, end of last week, maybe weekend, yeah. something in there that we've uh, just yet to get to in this week, but... That is something that people have been hoping for and been ready for for a while is an improvement to the other end zone uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And uh, Matt Cohen of AL.com has done a lot of good work interviewing John Cohen, the athletic director, about some of his um, desires to improve some of the facilities of Auburn, including Jordan-Hare Stadium. And I, I feel pretty good that they are going to end up – again, it's, it's past some approval phases there – I feel pretty good about this one being able to advance uh, forward again. Cohen has been somebody that uh, is really trying to champion some of these improvements. They've already done some things in Neville Arena uh, that are a little different uh, with uh, premium experiences at baseball uh, and different experiences that have been implemented. Of course, that's something close to Cohen's heart with a baseball background. But uh, with this other end zone project, look, some of it, I mean, this dates back to Jay Jacobs stuff, too, yeah. with trying to figure out a way forward over there. And there were murmurs that they couldn't figure out the, the ground support there, that it was maybe not uh, strong enough uh, to uh, support what they needed it to uh, on that end zone and support a little bit more of a uh, a little bit more of a problem just because of the ground over there. But maybe that has... Uh, maybe that was not the case. Maybe they have found someone that feels better about the situation. They do it a different way, the engineering of it. Who knows? But uh, they have gone forward with some sort of approval process. I think what it will be is a video board of of significant size. I don't know if it will quite reach Auburn's current one on the student <laughs> section side. Doubt, but uh, Doubtful. I think that there also is going to be a two-part uh, plan of it where – I think that they're probably going to want to add some sort of premium seating situation over in that end zone. That would not surprise me. Some sort of club level or some sort of of this improvement to the seating at the top there. That would not shock me if that is also part of this plan. And that's also why I don't expect the video board to be as big. It's not, not anything to do with the money. But it's more so about what they might want to plan around right. the video board, too. So I just know that Cohen, that has been a priority with the video board uh, or with getting a new scoreboard on that side because, in his words, from what I was reading, he was he was kind of frustrated, for lack of a better term, right. that people would have to turn their necks and turn around and stare and face away from the field to look at the big video board behind the student section that they'd like to be able to – look straight across at one, too. Mm. So, again, that's why I think it will be of some sort of significance. Oh, yeah. It will just not uh, necessarily be as big as this one. But I also think that they want to pair some sort of other seating experience in that end zone, too. Yeah, well, you know, on that north end zone, there, there has been a holdup with the con- being able to expand and everything. It has to do with an underground creek that uh, runs up under the stadium. And I think there's been some issues where they think that the 
weight of new stadium and everything might not be supported there. I just figure with the technology these days, there's a way that you can work around that or different things that you can do. I think the technology is there. Ultimately, though, that north end zone, they've, they've done work on every side of the stadium except the north end zone. And it's an eyesore. Uh, anybody with any sort of just a modicum of a beating heart can look at that and realize that that is an eyesore. It looks like an erector set. It has a 1970s-era <laughs> scoreboard up there. The walk- I did not expect you to go in like this. Yeah. Oh, it, I've I've been all in on fix that north end zone so, for so daggum long. Anybody that has ever walked in the concourse in that area, it is tight. It, there's no room for movement. It, it, it gets the crowds get really congested in there from the outside. It just like I said, it looks like an erector set. There's no brick, no nothing. It's not pretty. It's just blah, and it hasn't been changed since they built it and it needs to be fixed you look at other stadiums around the country and i mean people are building cathedrals and i mean they're breaking in stadiums and i mean they're just making these beautiful cathedrals of college football and jordan Hare stadium has that one end that you just look at and you're like oh that's just not pretty at all it's gross and it it's not functional inside at all like i said you have a you have a scoreboard literally from the 1970s sitting up there they've got to do something with that i mean that 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 stadium is falling far far behind uh a lot of the others in the sec and uh you know cohen has made it a point that he wants to fix that and i'm hoping that they can finally do something nice on that end so that it doesn't just look like a bare bones erector set sitting out there brooks seems in anguish i i like the 1970s scoreboard i like it Love, I like the the the, the old scoreboard. Crazy. <laughs> it has a classic feel. Yeah, but, that's what I like. I but, like the classic feel to it. Yeah, so does the in, interior of the the old uh, uh, the Western Sizzling over there on Opelika oh. Road. You know, you, that is a, that is go, a go to, cathedral, you, sir. Go, go to the go to the Sizzler if you want some oh, some boy. retro. Yeah, they got the 1970s light fixtures and things. I mean, you feel like you stepped right back into the late 70s, early 80s when you go to the Sizzler. So, yeah, if you want if you want some of that nostalgia, go there. Maybe but they could put it in there, though. How many score? steaks consumed each yeah. day? Something like that. That North End Zone's got to get fixed. It's, it's, it's ugly. Uh, anyway, there is a plan in place, and we'll see hopefully more details throughout uh, this 2024 years. Hopefully they make progress towards an update there on that north side end zone. We're going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about that AFC championship game we did not get to yesterday between the Chiefs and the Ravens review against championship weekend. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here as we start to wind down this Tuesday edition of the show. As we got less than 30 minutes remaining, tomorrow will also be a full show, but we'll have a shortened show on Thursday again and potentially next Monday. So we'll keep you abreast of when exactly uh, we'll be getting off air those days. All right, yesterday we were able to talk NFC Championship game. We really never got to the 49ers side of things. We were more focused on Detroit and their errors, both coaching and on the field and that sort of thing. So we will want to get back to San Francisco at some point and give them love, but also we could do that in the preview of the Super Bowl next week. So want to get to the Kansas City and Baltimore game. 17-10, the Chiefs win. You mean the game that ruined the NFL forever and ever and ever? No. No, no, I I don't care. No, uh, yeah, I no. No, uh, so Chiefs and Ravens, seventeen <laughs> ten in Baltimore. Chiefs going to their fourth Super Bowl, uh, under with Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid with this whole crew, and they do it with a really nice offensive start, and then a whole lot of defense and some Ravens blunders. Yeah, in the second half, your thoughts on the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, Chiefs are biggest thing is the Chiefs are playing at a very high level at the exact right time, and it's a team that was not playing at a high level going into the playoffs. Um, they, I mean, in fact, they were struggling, but they've gotten it figured out, and uh, they look good. And they they did what they needed to do, and then uh, the Ravens just could not seem to get it going. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I mentioned this on the other show, and it's what everybody's questioning is, you know, Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback. He's probably going to be the MVP this year, but can he win the big ones? Um, he hasn't proven that he can yet, and that's where everybody's questioning is what happens to Lamar Jackson when he gets on the biggest stage. He doesn't seem to be able to perform correctly. Um, a terrible interception uh, uh, into the end zone and into triple coverage that, you know, don't know why he threw that ball, but uh, – yeah, you just have to wonder. It's one of those, if you're a Ravens fan, you just have to kind of sit there and wonder, you know, what the heck happened to us? Because I think most people really thought that it was going to be Ravens 49ers. That's that's really the trajectory that that was going, and it didn't happen. Uh, but on the Chiefs' side of things, they're they're kind of figuring it out at the right time. You already knew they were a dangerous team. They've just, they've, they don't have the weaponry on offense that they have had in the past, but they still have enough. And so you know they're dangerous – you know, anytime Patrick Mahomes is back there taking snaps, they're going to be dangerous. And anytime you have Travis Kelsey catching passes, they're going to be dangerous. Through the end of the season, they just could not seem to get on the same page. Uh, and now here lately, they've figured it out with each other. And, yeah, I mean, watch out for them. And they've got the defense that can get it done as well. I'll be honest, I didn't watch – I was on the road, so I didn't watch uh, this game live. I went back and saw some of the highlights. But, obviously, watching highlights, you can't get real, a really good feel – about what how the how the whole game went, um, uh, so it was you know again an impressive an impressive time for the the Chiefs uh, to get on it and uh, and get a win uh, get to the Super Bowl. Uh, this is going to be what the the this would be their their third no this would be their fourth Super Bowl appearance with the third it could be their third win because they've won yes. against they they already beat the 49ers and they they beat the Eagles last year. Um, the uh, the I was laughing because you know it was the uh, everybody thought it was conspiracy that the the logo the NFL sent the logo. I was like, oh my gosh, the the script is leaked. It's going to be the Ravens and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Now, 
guess what? The the league is not rigged. The it, it's still not you know still years later still not rigged. Um, and so it, it's it's going to be really. I, I think that this is a, a good. Uh, I think that you know the Chiefs proving once again that they are a, a team that with a coach like Andy Reid and and the defense that they've got can continue to fight their way through and get get big wins even when you know the the offense may not be as as top of the line as we've seen them in the past that they they don't have all the playmakers you've got Mahomes you've got Kelsey and then you've got the the new the new kid on the block Rashi Rice uh is making a name for himself but uh there was uh, Grace uh, was you know she she's following things very closely with the Chiefs for for obvious reasons, uh, but she we were driving back and she said oh no one of the Chiefs stars is going to be out I'm like oh who she said Kadarius Tony I'm like oh well, they're fine yeah absolutely they're, they're not a star <laughs> no in fact that probably hurt Baltimore <laughs> I, said, I was like no they're they're going to be <laughs> absolutely okay um, the Ravens though I I thought it was funny how last week against uh, you brought it up. Uh, Tom, how? Uh, but last week after the Ravens beat the the Texans, everybody was like, "Oh, get off of Lamar Jackson's back. He's uh, you know he's here now." It's my well, yeah, but also no. He he finally won a playoff game. Good for you. But then you couldn't. It's like you said, didn't win the big game. This was the game to get to the Super yeah. Bowl. This mm-hmm. was the game to prove things. Uh, and he he wasn't able to get things done in that game. Um, at home too. It's not like you know yeah, we, yeah. we've talked about over the past. We talked about it last week when the the Chiefs were going up to play the Bills. Fifteen games in a row for the the, the Chiefs uh, playoff games in a row that they had gotten to play at home, and then they finally go on the road last week against the Bills, and they you know the Bills weren't able to get it done, and then the Ravens are like, all right, well we get them at home. They've never played two games in a, on on the road at the in you know these type of uh, road playoff conditions, and I'll tell you what, you know, we, we talk about the difference between college atmospheres and NFL atmospheres, how intimidating they are and stuff, and college is by far, you know, much more crowd effect on the game. The, the M&T Bank Stadium is one of the NFL stadiums that has a really good crowd. They, they always have a really good crowd. I remember back from when the Patriots were uh, a team that was playing in, in AFC Championship games and AFC Divisional Rounds. If, we, if the Patriots had to go play at Baltimore, it was never a fun game for, for Tom Brady and the Patriots. And so that's a place that usually has a, it's got a really good playoff atmosphere. Had a, a very good playoff atmosphere on, on Sunday. But the Chiefs came in. Uh, like you said, Tom, they 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 they've been hitting their stride here in the playoffs a little bit. They've been uh, proving that they're a team that's been in these positions before and knows how to win in these games. Bef- uh, has have won in these games in the past, and uh, now they are nine and three with Taylor Swift in attendance uh, this year. Thank you for the most meaningless stat I've heard. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> because people, people were saying it was cursed that Taylor Swift was cursing them that they were bad. I'm right, like, and people were also saying it's because of her, as if they've not already won two Super Bowls. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the other side of it. It's like, hey, she has nothing to do with it on either side. No, I'm I'm agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm just saying like the people that were saying it, she's cursed the team that that's why they're playing so bad. They were still nine and three with the even with her in attendance. So. Right. There's no impact. There's no impact. And as so, a fan watching the game, much like Eminem was watching the game for the Lions. Uh-huh. And flipping off the uh, Yeah, he KC was. Fans. He was. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the takeaways from this game, really uh, really this is kind of who Kansas City has been this year. Now, they started hot offensively, and it looked like they were maybe going to get into peak Kansas City uh, of, the, of the years we've known them. But in reality – Again, they were done scoring 
touchdowns early in the second quarter. And they still win this game 17-10, basically just holding on playing defense and and making a, a, a forcing a couple turnovers. Spagnola is their defensive coordinator, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, Spags. And really for me, what was interesting, he, you wanted to, to mention that narrative, uh, push Brooks about uh, Travis Kelsey's significant other. I would like to mention that if Tom Brady went 30 of 39 for 241, Everyone in the world say, what a great job by Captain Checkdown. <laughs> Captain and, and yet I felt yeah. like a lot of people were, oh, yeah, this just proves Mahomes' greatness. He played well. Okay, great great throw to end the game on that third down, uh, that 25-30 yard play. Great. Mahomes awesome. But I'm also not ready for at least like five more years to start this GOAT stuff. So that's the other conversation that I want really none of because – everyone is going to be blindly loyal to their side. And the reality is Patrick Mahomes is freaking awesome. Let's give this some more time because Tom Brady was also freaking awesome. Uh, but this Chiefs defense is the reason that they have been who they are this year. And they sustained them in some of those times where Kandarius Tony was actively helping the other team and, you know, captain offsides and just doing all those negative things that the receiving core was doing. Rasheed Rice has – uh, has come on. I think he's a very viable wide receiver. And I think, to Travis Kelsey's credit, he was looking a little old at times this year. And the last four or five weeks, he has kind of kicked into its time-to-get-going mode. As a veteran team does, by the way. Sometimes veteran teams kind of just go through the motions. If you remember the Patriots dynasty, they didn't care a lick about those September games. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and so that that is a trait of a team that's been there and done that. It's like, yeah, you know. Beating the Lions on opening night would be great, but, eh. You know, or, or beating Vegas on Christmas, eh. I mean, like, in, in, in at the time, it felt concerning. I was concerned. I think you had a right to be concerned. But also, when a team does have a championship pedigree, you allow for the possibility that they will figure it out. That was my mistake with Philly, by the way. Yeah. I thought, oh, Philly, a couple years of being really good. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They're just going to turn it on in the postseason. And, no, there was a legitimate break there. And they have not earned the right. They've not had enough successful years to earn the right to coast at times. Kansas City has. That's the one franchise right now out there. And now maybe San Francisco, now that they're going to another Super Bowl, where it's like they earn the right to, to have a couple of off nights in the regular year and against weird teams or, or lose a big game, whatever. They, they have the right to do that. So Kansas City has done it this year, though, with far more defense than ever before. That's what's made them very formidable yeah. because – you know that Mahomes is not going to actively lose them games. Like they might not be able to get the 350 yard four touchdown performance because of receiving issues and that sort of thing. But like Mahomes is not just going to throw three picks and you're just going to be just have an awful Mahomes game. Uh, and so that's what gives you a lot of solace if you're KC once you'll be looking ahead to San Francisco because you know the defense is going to be formal. You know the defense is going to keep the score down to a certain degree. And you know that Mahomes is not going to score points for the other team. And that's a really good combo when you're playing low-scoring games. Uh, the Lamar Jackson part of it, again, I want to be careful because very people are very passionate with this, and I want to be very clear where my stance has always been. Lamar Jackson is a very, very good quarterback in the National Football League. Yes. All right? MVP. And I, MVP is going to be two-time MVP. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's awesome. And there's no one quite like him. Not out there right now. Um, he makes some very special plays, plays that other guys just cannot make, like 
there's plays that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning would not be able to make that Lamar Jackson makes. He Lamar Jackson caught a football that he threw yeah. <laughs> and gained 12 yards or 14 yards, whatever it was. Uh, so there are plays that he makes that are unbelievable. However, it is a very fair and real criticism that in the postseason, when it gets tougher, that Lamar Jackson has not played good football and that his ability as a passer is worth questioning. That continues to be true. He has gotten better. I still think there are real gains he made. He was still better this postseason than he'd been in any of the other postseasons as a passer. So he is making strides. But the knock on him, which I, again, think is just finally so, is just from a passing point of view, where just a passer, where would you rank Lamar Jackson? And the answer for me to this point in his career was never higher than 10th, 12th, 14th range. And I think that's probably still about his range. Just as a passer, as a quarterback, he's above some of those guys. Because if he's the 13th best passer, but he's the absolute best runner far and away, that's going to move you over some 9, 10, 11, 12 type of guys and move you well probably in the top five. And I think after this year, yeah, he's in your top five. It has to be. But that does not mean that aspect of his game is completely fixed and impenetrable. He is not an elite passer of the football. And so you see that borne out in situations where, okay, the sack fumble is not all in his fault. That's, that's part offensive line. But, okay, you're not processing the defense quickly enough. Fumble. Now, fortunately, the defense holds. They don't give any points. The interception. Obviously, that's a horrible mistake. Because no. if we're just comparing him to Mahomes, Mahomes didn't do anything special in this game. That's what my whole point was. Like, if you have 240 yards on 30 completions and one touchdown, there, that is a very repeatable performance by a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. But the difference in the two and how they played is he didn't turn the ball over. And he didn't have the one really bad play. Lamar did. And Lamar's still total TD to interception ratio is still 1-1. to It's now six passing touchdowns and six interceptions in the postseason in his career. And so the point is, is that he does all this cool stuff, and that's great. But in the postseason, when you are playing the elite defenses, you will have to make some uh, well above average throws. You will have to make truly good throws. He made one early. The, the touchdown he threw to Zay Flowers was awesome. Great yeah. play. That's one of those plays, unique plays, unique to Lamar. But when you finish 20 of 37 and you have the horrible pick and you have the fumble, like that's not – if you're not going to run a lot, which he ran some, he ran for 54 yards, that's a good, solid performance. But he did not use the legs the way he needed to. And then you couple that with, again, the, the passing being just falling a little bit short then he was not who he was in the regular season and why he is so hard to defend. So I think there's still more that needs to be done for him in the postseason. He's an excellent regular season quarterback. I talked about pregame uh, or in the lead-up to this game. If you just look at the regular season when Lamar Jackson's healthy, the true biggest competition to the Kansas City Chiefs has been the Baltimore Ravens. When Lamar got hurt three years ago, they were the one seed. When he got hurt, and then he missed the rest of the year, they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, two years ago, he was in there. They were a high seed. He got hurt. Tyler Huntley had to play the playoff game. They lost. And then this year, they were the number one seed with him healthy for the full year. Like in the regular year, it's awesome. But there's just one extra level they've got to obtain. And they might still very well obtain it. He's got several years left. But – that's something what we have still not seen. And I really hate, and it's really regrettable in my opinion, that everybody's like, oh, you just hate Lamar. You don't like the way he plays football. No, mm. I love it. I love that he runs read option in the freaking National Football League. 
Okay, that is very tough to do. That I remember when Auburn was criticized and others were criticized. That's such a college thing. Well, if you're awesome at it, you can make it work in the NFL too. However, he is still yet to make it work at the very, very end of the season, and that's the mm-hmm. last checkbox to have. But I thought it was an entertaining game, even though it was low yeah. scoring. And, again, another significant uh, Chiefs win where the Chiefs are just the team in the AFC. And, you, I mean, it, it's – it's. I love to see the true constant challenger because right now we've had a few turns at it from Buffalo and Cincinnati and, and now Baltimore – but it's been tough to rack up any sort of consistent success against that team for, yeah. for six years now. Uh, Lamar, on third downs in that game, he was one for six for seven yards with mm. two sacks Yeah, on third down. E. Uh, he, had complete, <clears throat> he completed a season-low 41% of his passes against the Blitz. Uh, and then that was before the interception in the end zone. Yeah. And I think the thing is, uh, the interception in the end zone, it wasn't that it was – it wasn't that it was just an interception in the end zone, and it wasn't just that it was thrown into triple coverage in the end zone for an interception. It was the fact that it was in the fourth quarter. The timeliness. It was the crunch time. Like, if you're going to be MVP quarterback, lead your team to the Super Bowl, this is the time that you shine. This is the time you put the team on your back and you do it. Like Patrick Mahomes has done numerous times the way Tom Brady had, has done numerous times in his career, the way Peyton Manning had done it, the way Elway, you name it. These Hall of Fame quarterbacks in crunch time put their team on their back and they lead them down the field and they don't make those mistakes. And so, again, if you had thrown it in the first quarter, it would be like, right. mm, that was a terrible pass yeah. in the first Learned quarter. Learn from it. and yeah, This was in crunch time when you were supposed to be at your absolute best and he makes a awful Awful, awful decision to make that pass. Well, and that's why I criticized Josh Allen in the Buffalo-Kansas City game because coming out of that two-minute warning, you had second and third down. Right. On second down, you had Stephon Diggs wide open, middle of the field. Mm -hmm. The guy you were throwing to was open, to be fair. Right. You got a little bit knocked back, but also it doesn't benefit you even to score at that moment because you're trying to chew clock and Mm -hmm. then score because you know Mahomes in a minute 50, that's a minute 40 too long. Right. So you take digs, you get your first down, you move. Instead, you wait another second, deliver a horrible ball to the end zone. And then third down, you escape the pocket way too early. You miss someone in the middle field again, which at bare minimum may not get you the first down, but gets you five, six yards. And you have fourth and short. Maybe you go for it. At least it's a shorter field goal at bare minimum. And you end up having to chuck it away, which, again, by the way, you just stop the clock. So you make that field goal. There's still minute 40. And, again, that's a minute 30 too long for Mahomes. So, Allen did not execute when it mattered most, and Lamar did not execute what mattered most. And that's what separates those two from Mahomes because he will still execute when it matters the most, whereas those guys will lead you all the way up into the point and then the moment of truth, and they've yet to get over that clutch hump. Yeah, you give Mahomes the ball with a minute fifteen. You're like, I'm concerned. Very well, much. So. Well, I'm saying if yep. you're if you're a Chiefs fan or if you're just a general football fan like me, you put the ball in the in his hands with a minute fifteen, and you're like, oh, here we go. Yep. And if it doesn't work, if he throws a pick, then you're kind of sitting there just like, whoa, didn't see that coming. But now with you know with Lamar, minute fifteen, they're down the field. He throws a pick, and you're just like, yep, yeah, saw that one coming from a million miles away. That's, right. that's just – that's the levels that yep. you're talking about there. Exactly. 
Exactly. So final minute or two of the show today, time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Basketball, basketball, basketball is all over your TV tonight. We'll start with the movie, though. Your one movie pick for the evening if you Purple. if you don't want to watch basketball. 7 o'clock on FX, Avengers Age Voltron. It is your Marvel fix for the evening as well. Now on to the basketball, the hoop sports. Uh, 6 o'clock ESPN, number 3, North Carolina heads to Atlanta to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Also 6 o'clock, a big one in the Big 12. Uh, I was actually shocked to how big this game was when I started doing the TV guide. Number 15, Texas Tech visits number 25, TCU. Some ranked basketball in the, in the Lone Star League, State. Man, it's good. It's top to bottom. Uh, 6 o'clock, FS1. Uh, top 10, number 9, Marquette visits Villanova. Then 8 o'clock, sent out ESPN. Kansas looking to bounce back after being upset on the road in uh, the black hole that is Ames, Iowa, as they host uh, Oklahoma State. 8 o'clock, ESPN2. Miami visits NC State. Then 8 o'clock on FS1, Seton Hall visits DePaul. And, of course, if you're not into the college basketball, a doubleheader of NBA action on tonight, 6.30 on TNT. The Pacers visit the Celtics and follow that up on the West Coast with the 76ers traveling out to take on the Golden State Warriors. And that, my friends, is your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being on the show today, sir. We will see you again on Thursday. See you then. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being on the show once again. We'll see you again tomorrow. I will be here. Again, that will do it for this Tuesday edition of the program. As always, we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.